Welcome to episode 576 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right here, team, welcome along to episode 576 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James. Oz. How you going, mate? Pretty good. Just noticed you, you look like you just got out of bed this morning. You haven't done your hair. Uh, no, don't, my hair doesn't get done very regularly. Maybe it's just it's longer. You're, you're starting to grow it out a bit. Could be. I noticed you put me back in my spot. I kind of thought last week, sitting across. The no, mic I was, was not sitting, happy with that. The mic was sitting back in the old place, so <laughs> it is good to have a view, though. Yeah. Not a view as well. Well, view of me was probably... Actually, maybe I should put you back because you get to look at me more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I Talk is proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com Social networking for endurance athletes Extreme endurance Your lactic buffer And our patrons And Peter Githens Rock out Githens Mr. Detention Paul Dean And we've got Liz Elastigil Verhayden They are patrons of the show They absolutely rock And this week's shows guys We've got some news We've got an interview Dawson's on He's going to be talking about a couple of things John Yes we're going to go through the Kona qualifiers today or yesterday depending on where you are in the world was the last day of qualifying and so we're going to talk through who's in and at this stage it takes a little while for it just to trickle down to have all the people that are accepting or declining their slots but Torsten can make his predictions on who's in, who's definitely not in and um, who's sort of right on the cusp depending on who takes their slots. When do they have to take their slots by? I don't know the answer to that, and perhaps I should have asked Torsten. Oh, he had one job. That was the one thing he had to do. I think it's fairly quickly afterwards. Okay. Uh, we've also got Coach's Corner, a bit of a different one this week. It is, and it may be something I have covered once or twice in the past, but it's really around how to map a route or route if you're American. Uh, and how do you map a route? And, hey? and then to have it in your Garmin so you can get turn-by-turn instructions, because and you go elsewhere in the world, when we're on camps, people who have this, they have a great time. Don't get lost. People who don't, run the risk of getting lost. And then we go into a little bit of a wanger of the week and questions and answers. We missed it end. last week. Didn't do wanger of the oh, week. Oh, we did not. Apologies if you were the wanger of the week last week. Oh. but uh, You wouldn't know because we, we choose different every week. So, mm. yeah. Anyway, uh, news. Uh, John's ITU update. We've got a spoiler alert. Has the race just happened? It has. Cause, and I know that some people may not have seen it yet and if you know the result well i don't it was a good one it, it's the men's race is okay. worth watching okay. so i to you give, give no um let's say get, get your clock started there bevan get a, get a stopwatch or i'll do it i'll say i'll talk about it for two minutes i'll make sure i start stop talking about it after two minutes we so. would i watch it on youtube uh, no, you'd have to have, get on to the triathlon oh, live. No one's going to do that. I did that. Thank you yeah, very you're, much, you're Bevan. Exactly explains so it if you are planning on watching it, you may know the result. I would still say it's worthwhile watching. I'm going to start my stopwatch now. In, in two minutes' time, I'll make sure I shut up about... What, what race the was it? What race was race. it? Okay, men's race. And it was held in... Edmonton? Edmonton. Okay, wait a second. Okay, well, well you're doing it. You got four, okay, four minutes fifty. So no, I don't need four minutes fifty. Well, I'm going to watch it in the background. Oh, that's fantastic podcasting. No, but because everyone can pause, come back in four minutes fifty. I've done it. Okay, I'll, I'll put the music I'm, down. I'm going for. But you're going to tell me what's going to happen. Well, don't watch it then. You can watch it afterwards. Well, I've skipped forward thirty seconds here. All so now it's only four minutes. Okay. Anyway, okay. I'm going. They started a swim in, in a lake. This is not great podcasting. <laughs> I'm overruling, overruling. I'm not going four minutes 50. I'm going two minutes starting now. Now, 
great all, all you need to basically watch well no not all you need to watch but the story of the race and the guys race is swim they end up being two packs coming out of the swim or it's split up very early on the bike they came together but then on the run okay i've just watched the run start i fast forwarded it's a sprint distance race so 750 swim 20k bike 5k run What's odd about this run, and you don't really find this out until late in the run, it's a three-lap run. I don't know anywhere in the world where you'd have a three-lap run. You know, it's always going to so be running, what, like laps point? of 2Ks or laps of 2.5K, but this was a three-lap run. The usual contenders sort of push to the front. Yep, I'm seeing that right now. And you're getting Mola, and you're getting Richard Murray on the front, Alistair Brownlee. Gomez is going for it. He's running well initially, but then he's starting to drift off. Jake Burke Whistle, who's kind of the new the kid Australian on the guy? Block, He's just a little bit off the pace. Oh, he's up front right now. You well, just ruined it for me. Shut up. Shut. <laughs> God, does anybody know how frustrating this is for me? Anyway, we're going into the second, the, towards the end of the second lap. It's slightly downhill. This Jake Burke whistle comes from about, I'm going to say, about 30 metres back, which is a reasonable distance at the speed that they're going. Just and he comes blasting past Mola and Murray like you would not believe. I was watching this going... If this is the most impressive run split or running I've ever seen in a short course triathlon. I've only got 40 seconds to shut up. And <laughs> he comes past them and he bolts past them like you wouldn't believe. But he's still got a lap to go and he doesn't realise. Oh, was this stuff up? And he said he stuffed up. Because he went up the wrong lane, didn't he? And I was thinking, this is the most impressive performance I've ever seen in my life, running at a, at a high-level race. Comes past them. Short story is, blast past him, thinks he's won the race, comes with the finishing shoot, has to hurdle over and then run the second lap. To his credit, he holds carries on, on yeah. and he holds on for second place, which is bloody impressive. In a year's time, he is going to be smoking everybody. Five seconds to go. What I was going to make, it's, it's all over now. Two minutes, two minutes is up. Is that why you're telling me to shut up? Yes, because I had two minutes. Oh, I forgot about, I didn't know about the two minutes. Far out. You're a bit rude, it's you like are. It's like working with a monkey. <laughs> Bloody hell. Well, anyway, you could see in the video. Oh, hold on. Now people come back. I know. So don't. People have come back and they oh. want to see the result. Uh, so, men's race, that's a summary. If you just rejoined us, we're not going to talk about the men's race anymore. The girls' race, I'd recommend probably almost not watching it. And that's not a sexist thing to say. I'm just saying Flora Duffy is doing a good job of ruining our sport because she is just crushing everybody. It's just. It's boring. She is just so much better at the moment. Breaks away on the bike, TTs away, which is so impressive, and then just crushes everybody. It's a non-contest. Well, that's a really good question. Which athlete has ruined their sport the most? Like Schumacher ruined Formula One for a period. Mm -hmm. It was just so dominant, it became really boring. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering what other sports, you like in triathlon. Oh, Gwen Jorgensen, you know, she's going to win. Schumacher didn't win every single race, but he won the majority. There was a period where he was unbreakable. He'd win majority, but Gwen Jorgensen wins... Almost every race that she does, so she's pretty, makes it pretty boring. And um, you'd say almost the same about uh, Alistair Browning. Not so much right now, but f you know, a few years back, it was like he's going to win every single race. Um, so that was uh, the ITU race at the weekend. I got told shut up three times in. More than that, and four. And you clearly don't listen. Five. <laughs> and then uh, next next race, we move on to Montreal next weekend. So two races in Canada in uh, within the space of a week. And these ITU athletes, we see them racing the ITU series, but you don't realise how much they're doing in the background as well. So I know Richard Murray, I think he said he's raced, it was his fourth race in four weeks, I think, and then he's racing again the next weekend, so well, five in a row. Remember when he won Super League, he won, a, he won a race the week after that as well, mm -hmm. remember? He, he, he's, he raced a lot this year, hasn't he? And Andrea Hewitt, she was going over to Europe, and like she wasn't racing yesterday, but she was saying to me, I think she was doing 
it was something like nine races in 11 weeks or something along those lines. How are they able to pull that off? Uh, well, you, your racing's training training as well, and then you do, you know, you take, few, it's it's different for us, you know, if I go and do an Olympic distance race, I'm smoked for, for a number of days, but mm. they're just, they're used to it, they're used to that intensity, and so yes, it does take a bit out of them, and they're not at their peak all the way through, but they're at a nice high level, and then they sort of have a break, come back and, and peak for their for their late season races, so I guess the answer to the question is they do a lot more training, they've got, they can do a lot of recovery, Um but their training is their high quality workout. Their race is their high quality workout for the weekend. So I remember when I was doing my sports study, and they were talking about NRL players, and like it was really interesting about NRL rugby league, which is a big sport in Australia, New Zealand, a little bit in the UK. And um, they're saying basically, you, I know what you're going to say. What they're injured after the first week. Well, no, that was true. Through. But basically, you know, their their training really in the year is just about maintenance and and prevention, mm. really. So like for these guys, um, although that's a bloody good point, isn't it? They're injured from week one, eighty percent, like eighty percent of them. I can't remember the exact number, but something like eighty percent of them are injured from week one, and it's just about managing their body through twenty six weeks of a grueling sport. But more importantly. How would these guys train during the week? Well, that's uh, I guess it's more you've got to look at the whole season as well because it's how they structure their season. Their off-season is, is really preparing them. They've got to do all that base to get them ready so they're fit enough to mm. maintain themselves through. So it's a good question, and I don't I, I know what I would do and what I'd re- be recommending to people, but it's a, it's a good question that maybe rather than me trying to guess an answer, we'll actually get some athletes on and ask them what they do do. But, yeah, because someone know. like Andrew, she's doing nine races in uh, 11 races in nine weeks or not nine races in 11? It was, like, so it was something like nine races in 11 weeks. Okay, so like, if you and they're all top end, mm. you know, so you, you know, like what kind of sessions are you doing? You know, like, you probably have one yeah. or two more A sessions in a week, would you? And then At maximum, I'd say, you know, you'd have two days of active recovery endurance, but you know, for them, after a sprint distance try the next day, you know, you might go out for a four-hour bike ride, do your endurance, a bit of endurance work on the first couple of days, get and that, and that will aid your recovery, and then do you know some some medium quality work in the in the middle part of the week, and then they probably don't taper off too heavily. They probably wouldn't be doing high intensity workouts a day, a couple of days before the race, but still keeping a reasonable training load. So that's you know a couple of days of endurance recovery work, a couple of days of quality couple of days of more aerobic work into the race, bang it out, and um, and that, as I said, that's a key key sort of training session. Well, it's really interesting, actually, when you think about it, because that's probably a real niche of the sport. Like, if we think about a lot of age groupers in long-distance triathlon, they train a lot like pros. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, mm. you could pretty much sit on a similar trajectory to most pros. Now, admittedly, most age groupers aren't as disciplined and don't have as much time, but there's a level of age grouper who could match mm. what a pro does. There's probably nobody in short course who, who trains and races like a pro short course person does, like an elite. Probably not. And I think that's they do a lot of sessions per week in terms of short course athletes. You know, they're probably swimming five, biking five, running five, spending a lot of time, a lot, probably a lot more time in the pool than what a uh, than what a pro Ironman athlete would, would do. No. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, so it is real a niche training section of our sport because an Ironman, we all kind of, well, there's different philosophies, but we all kind of sit in a similar kind of area, whereas in short course, most short course athletes, like the average short course athlete in, in like UK or America where there are lots of races, how many races would they do a year? Oh, like, are you talking like a Brownlee type? Person? No, no, no. I'm talking age grouper. Oh, age grouper. Um, I, I, I would have thought, 
you know, a handful, six, seven, eight, something like that. Yeah, so it's completely different to how a pro's going to race when they're doing bloody 10 races mm. in 10 weekends. So interesting stuff. Okay, John, um, so we had Alpe d'Huez coming on. So what happened in the results? We had Alpe yeah, It's a fantastic race, mm. Alpe d'Huez. Not, not that I've done it, but I've, I've, I've been around that neck of the woods. Uh, so you swim 2.2 k's. You ride 118 kilometres with 3,200 metres of climbing. And the, But the key thing with that is you're also finishing uphill. So that really affects your average speed. You know, you can go and ride 3,200 um, meters, but if you start and finish at the same elevation, your speed's good. But when you're finishing with a net uphill, um, it's going to slow you down quite a bit. So they finish up at Alpe d'Huez, and then you do a 20-kilometer run um, from Alpe d'Huez. It's um, it's a lumpy 20k, but it's not uh, crazy hard. But you are doing it at altitude, which makes it pretty difficult. Um, you quite often get some um, some real good rock stars racing there, but this year. Not so many of the the big names. You had Christian Kramer take it out uh, on the guys' side of things, taking home 4,200 euros um, in front of Timothy Van Houten, who basically lost the race in the swim. He swam 31 minutes, but he outsplit the winner, Christian Kramer, on both the bike and the run, uh, but he still finished two minutes behind. And Kevin Runderstahl Stadler finished in third in 5.57 so longer than a half but shorter than a full and on the guys the girls side of things Tina Dickers uh, took it out over Emma Pooley in fairly convincing fashion she was about 18 minutes in front uh, of Emma Pooley and Lisa Roberts was in third place so just a little bit about um, Christian Kramer who took out the the guys race uh, he has had some some good results finished sixth in Frankfurt uh, last year had an eighth at South Africa, a sixth, sixth at Western Australia, hasn't really had such happy time in Kona, sort of finishing in the, the 30s, but did finish as high as 14th back in 2013. So, um, yeah, there we go. That's uh, Alptewe's triathlon. Okay, and then we also had, let me put one on it here, uh, Ironman Canada. Oh, we, oh do you want to do Switzerland first? Okay, so Switzerland first, and Ronnie Shannon, uh, unfortunately, wasn't able to finish around. It's muscle strain on the run. He had did. to pull out, unfortunately. Which is a real shame because he's mm. uh, he, ten. But he has had a he has had a very good season. Um, but just a shame when he, you know, that's his hometown race. Uh, but Nick Castelline, who I kind of said last week, either him or Rudy Wild would be the only ones that could possibly um, challenge him and challenge him. They did because Nick Castelline. Even if Ronnie Shieldnick hadn't had the the muscle strain on the run, it sounded like he was in a pretty good position and Ronnie Shilnick would have had to have a pretty sensational day to be able to catch him. So Nick Castelline swam 48, rode 4.31 and ran a 2.50 for an 8.13.38 and he was seven minutes in front of Rudy Wilde and he basically made that seven minutes up all on the bike. Jan van Berkel was in third place in 8.26. On the girls' side of things, uh, I'll be honest, I know nothing about any of these girls but I'll tell you a little bit about them in a moment. Uh, Celine Schrauer from Switzerland took it out. She swam, biked and ran quicker than expected on Torsten's try ratings. She swam 51, rode 5.11, ran 3.15 for a 9.23, winning by 13 minutes over Tina Holst and Martina Kuntz. And a little bit about uh, Celine Schauer, because I know next to nothing about her. She had a 15th this year in uh, Ironman Brazil, 11th at Ironman Texas, a 6th at Cozumel late last year, 2nd at Vichy, so this is her first Ironman victory. Uh, she has, did finish 2nd all the way back in 
2013 and good old trysplits.com is where I go to get all this information and then in second place you had Tina Holst and she has actually had a win before but she's had a lot of um, DNFs or did not starts as well, did not start sorry that's a bit mean if I say did, did not finishes because they mostly did not starts but she uh, won Ironman Lanzarote last year in 10.02, finished 7th in Cairns um, this year, 4th in Malaysia last year but only 21st in Kona so some of these girls might have uh, done their Kona chances, some good uh, having raced at the weekend and hopefully move up the rankings and if that's their plan to get there then uh, good on them. Good times. Okay, so we also had Ironman Canada happen over the weekend, and it was the female race only. And one of the questions we had leading into it was how would Rachel Joycey go? And she, she on Twitter, she actually put that she had a pretty tough day at the office. She put, oh. yesterday's rough race was tough. My body was just not feeling it. And at points, I wondered how I would make it to the finish line. So looks like it was... Uh, it was not a good watch. I was just very, very loosely watching it. And yeah, she was she was on reasonable pace on the swim, Joycey, but just got obliterated on the bike. Yeah. Uh, lost about... 20 minutes and and her run was was not much better so she had a really good race in boulder earlier this season she kind of thought she was on her way back and had some good 70.3s but you know for whatever reason you know you just have your have your off day but that was a um a really un, a really poor performance by her standards uh, only finishing fourth lindsay corbin had a great race swam 56 rode 508 and ran 308 for a 917 and relatively comfortable when she came through on the run um running past uh Jen Annette uh, from Canada who finished second in 9.24 and Rachel McBride who was leading off the bike um, held on for third in 9.27. Joycey was, uh, ended up being fourth place. So I guess the good news out of Canada for, is that the race is going to be carrying on. There was a lot of speculation that it wasn't because one of the areas that it bikes through the local whatever you call them, council had said they're not going to be able to use that stretch of the road, which really meant it was. It seemed like it was going to be impossible for them to have the race because that was a critical part of the bike ride. So they haven't said what the course is going to be for next year, but they've said they have uh, renewed their co- contract to have the Ironman and they also have the 70.3 on. So uh, we'll just watch that space in terms of what sort of a course they want. Yeah, and they've committed through to 2020, so you know they've got a bit of time there. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. One of the feelings you get is that um, where was it originally? Uh, Penticton. Yes, yeah, uh, wouldn't be surprised if they want it back. You know, who knows? So, yeah. um, that's that's pure speculation. Well, hey, I said I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't. I, we've never done it on the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, coming up this weekend, we got Iron Man Maastricht. Yeah, so it's a 2,000-point race uh, and $40,000 up for grabs. Now, I'm not going to talk about this too much because it's really hard to predict who's actually going to be turning up. If you look at uh, Torsten's website, you know, you've got Bar Steeder and Michael Weiss and uh, Mikel Tinto, um, but then you've got heaps of guys that have got asterisks next to their names, so they've entered other races at a similar um, time, like Harry Wiltshire, Nick Baldwin, um, Pedro Gomez. So last year at this race, we had uh, Mary Beth Alice take it out in... Well, now she's obviously off having a baby, and Igor Amirale took it out in 8.28. So, um, yeah, that's going to be coming up this weekend. Question oh, I have. Sorry, and the girls' side of things, uh, again, hard to predict who's going to be there. You've got Alexander Tondur, Camille Borg, and then lots of other girls like Tina Holst who raced last weekend. And that's the thing. You never know. Some of these girls and guys may turn around and back it up one week later. What? 
we haven't heard of Michael Raylu in a while. What's he been up to? Well, we talked a little bit about uh, that with Torsten, so you just have to listen in later on. Oh, I was good. Well, I, was, I was thinking ahead of time, wasn't I? Okay, we've also got Norseman. Norseman is one of the iconic, crazy events in the race where you, you swim, bike, run, but you go from sea level to up to 1,200 metres and basically the last 30k is downhill. Which is nice for on coming the bike, off the bike. But then you run up a pretty crazy hill at the end of it. So it's you got pretty flat 25k and, and then, then the last 17 is a mountain climb basically, isn't it? And they limit it to 300 entrants each year and it is always massively oversubscribed. So good luck to anybody over there racing. Just one other piece of news that's come out. Um, is it just first in, first served? Uh, no, it's a ballot system, I believe. Okay. Um, Lynette... Warn sent through an email and there is now going to be, or there is, and it's expanded, the X-Try World Tour. So this is organised by, I'm not sure who's organising it, but Norseman is part of it, Keltman is part of it and the Swissman is part of it. So that's been the existing X-Try World Tour and they're all similar type of events. And then now they're adding three new events to it. So I think it was last week or the week before we talked about the Alaska Man Triathlon and that is going to be added into the series as is the Canadia Man and also another race in Slovakia. So there's going to be this sort of circuit of uh, extreme triathlons. And that would be, I think, for a lot of people, quite a cool badge to have to go and do all those races. Oh, a, bit, yeah. a bit like they have in swimming. They have the... Um, I think it's the seven different major swims, or I don't know the exact number that you can go and do. You know, go and do the Channel Crossing, and there's the one in New York, and there's the various different ones. And people love to be able to tick them off and say they've done the seven gigantic swims of the world. And uh, I'm not sure if there's a running comparison or not, whether you can go well, and do, do the big city marathons. The big city marathons, and, and they are well established. You yep. know, you go and do New York, Berlin, London, mm. and those types of things. Mm. One, one thing is, you tell you what, Norseman's got a pretty cool website, and they've got a video on it, and it definitely advertises how tough the race is. But man, conserving your legs in that race has got to be pretty tough, isn't it? It is, you know, you just got to pace your way through. But I mean, the swim's tough. The bike's tough, and the run's tough, yeah, so yeah. yeah, it is very. And much the a run, hike. you know, running up a mountain, it's, you don't have a rhythm. It's not like you're just running up a hill on a road where no. you can actually kind of work to a rhythm. It's it's that really undulated kind of walking at times. I imagine it'd be a pretty crazy race. We've had a few people do it, so it's to be honest. We talked about bucket races, bucket list races a few weeks ago, and it was definitely one of those races for me. That if I were to get back into Ironman, that would be the kind of the thing that would appeal to me. Okay, Challenge Family signs a three-year deal to keep. X Bionic Sphere as a host venue for the championship. So this is the championship race ahead uh, about is just about a month June? before. Yeah. Yep. So timing wise, it's really good. You know, having it in June, it's a good time of the season in terms of athletes preparing for Ironman races if they are doing them, or for the specialist half distance races. So I think timing wise is really good. The feedback from the athletes this year was was sensational. So in terms of um, I heard some age group athletes that went said it was really, really good, and the pros said it was a fantastic race as well. In terms of the actual spectacle of the race, neither of us really watched it, but it was it was a good race on the guys' side of things. They kept the 20-metre draft rule. So, you know, I, I guess they're going, A, they've, they've got a venue that wants to support the event, but B, if they keep it there, create a bit of momentum, a little bit of history there, and um, hopefully it can be something that can really grow. So a pretty cool movie theatre, look at that. Nice. It looks like a sensational venue. So where is it? I can't remember where it um, is. It's not in the Czech Republic. It's, it's, it's or maybe it's Czech Republic or something okay. like that. Mm. Yeah, it looks pretty pretty, pretty special. 
Mm. It's got everything, man. Like it's one of those places where you can just stay in the, the, the resort the whole time. Okay. Um, and then also, John, well, Lucy Francis sent through. She, she requested said, a rant of the she week. She requested. Yeah, I don't know if you could request one, although I fired you up pretty early today, so we might get one yeah. out of here. So basically, she was just saying, I'm in Zurich uh, this week. has been giving out leaflets, basically promoting two of the 70.3 races in China. So the first one is maybe Qinghai, maybe uh, 70.3, and then Kongqing, <laughs> maybe 70.3. <laughs> Three, my Chinese ain't that flash. flash. But um, in the first one, the one that's going to be happening in about um, three or four weeks from now, they're giving away thirty slots to Kona this year, mm-hmm. and then fifty slots to Kona in twenty eighteen, and then actually none for the seventy point three champs of that race, which is quite interesting. And then the other one, uh, which it's probably because it's. Oh, no, I was going to say it's probably because it's so close to the 70.3s this year, but why wouldn't you have some maybe for next year? Yeah. yeah. And then the other one, they've got 30 slots for Kona and no sl- um, for 2018, and then 50 slots for Kona, uh, 70.3 champs in, in 2018. So to me, it's really interesting they've still got 30 slots to give away. It, yeah, and the reason I'm not getting fired up about it, I would, but I think I've already ranted about this one a little bit in the past, so I don't, don't want to do a double rant. Well, I kind of do, but I... But I it's wearing me down. 50 slots is a lot. It is. 50 slots. Like, like, okay, 30. And, and I think the argument in the past was they're trying to build this board up in this region. It makes me think, obviously, the race isn't selling if they're trying to promote 30 slots to Kona mm-hmm. for a race that's three weeks from now. And again, go back to my rationale is there's not that many races in Asia, so you kind of need to have some pathway through for Asian athletes to get to Kona um, and not having them travelling to the other end of the world. Everywhere else in the world has got their qualifying slots, so I get, I understand that rationale for needing to have some, some um, uh, make a pathway to get to Kona because it is, in those environments, doing an Ironman in the sort of heat, the Asian heat and stuff, it's just brutal, absolutely brutal. So I get that side of it. What annoys me, and you will have heard me say this before, is when they just use this as a marketing tool, which is, is kind of what I feel they're, they're doing here in terms of giving away what is a really precious part of our sport as, as a marketing tool, and that's what, uh, that's what bugs me. It's their golden ticket, John. It's their golden ticket. When you can't find a few more slots for the girls, as you'll hear me talk with Torsten later on, it's not a very fair system for the female pros, but you, you can give them away here or you can give them away to special anniversary races, but you can't make our sport fair for the females. It's, uh, Especially when it's only 20 slots. Mm. Mm-hmm. I agree, John. I agree. I agree. Okay, John, let's do a discussion. So last, over the last few weeks, you would have heard us talk about Collins Cup, and I imagine you're going to talk to it a bit with Dawson a bit. We're just going to talk about the, how the, the, the ranking system works. Because he was involved with the ranking. He actually created the ranking system for them, and he was the right man to go to. But basically, with all the talk of the Collins Cup, and we've been talking about it on the show over the last few weeks, and we are trying to get the director yep. on. Yep. I had an email this morning, so we'll get that sorted. And uh, so we just kind of want to know what you guys thought about the Collins Cup. Is it appealing to you? Is it something you really want to get involved in? Or at least, you know, will you kind of make an effort to see it at the time? General thoughts on the Collins Cup. And the discussion was wide-ranging and extensive from you guys. How many did we get? It was four comments. Wow. (laughs) Well, I've put up this week's discussion already. We've got more comments. No, this week's one was a good one, I think. Uh, Sam Wells, seems like an exciting way to introduce people to triathlon. 
Okay, um, Simpson's got some Simpson has got. Uh, if the very best athletes turn up, I can't see anything but a European whitewash because of the strength and depth. That won't be a good spectacle or good for the sport. If a second tier pro turns up, it would be much more even. Interesting thoughts. I'll come. I'll, I'll give you the current ratings in a moment, so we can kind of maybe discuss that. Karen uh, Telford, good idea for the race. However, wish it were on a day before or after the challenge road race, so the athletes who would be racing on the same day as the Collins Cup could be spectators I totally agree with that um, yeah <laughs> it would be if they had it on in rote if they moved now this is tricky to do but if they moved rote to be a Saturday race well they have this race elsewhere in the world but if you race on Saturday and then have the Collins Cup on Sunday that would be awesome I would love that if you're racing and then just going and chilling out and and the way they could do that I think the reason they're not doing that in road is is, is purely the logistics and yeah. we've discussed this before you can't have two iron distance races on consecutive days in theory because the courses are wide ranging you need so many bloody support staff etc and it just, well, and, just and Felix actually said we can't because our local councils won't let us yeah they can't get the road closures for two days which is fair enough but what they potentially could do and, and, and because this was rushed um, getting it through for the first year, is if you've got a, a small dynamic, uh, a small lap course, then I think it would be realistic because you're not going to be closing the roads for, you know, you can, uh, as long as you would for so an like a 30k race. bike ride? Or even less than that, you know, in, in road, you might do a, um, do the swim where you have the swim, obviously, and then if it's a, a 20k loop, you know, and then you, because they're going to be spread out quite a bit, they'd come through. It might make it a little bit tricky to figure out where exactly people are on the course, but in terms of a spectacle on the bike, you know, but you could sit down in a pub. Yeah. And stuff like that, you know, like you, the, you know, amplification of sport and as, even as a spectator, especially in endurance sport, is great because you could just look on the app and go, okay, well, this is who, where so and so is. And the appeal for this race is yes, it's going to be great for the local spectators, but more, it's going to be a TV appeal and they'll be able to, to, to represent who is where on the race. So I think it is feasible to have it on separate days um, going on going, yeah. And, and when, and when we get, what was his name? Charles. Charles, when we get Charles on the show, it, they're very open to how this is going to work. They're not mm. saying this is how it's going to be. It's just they wanted to put it on and Challenge actually approached him and said, look, let's do it here next year. So that's kind of how it went through. But um, they're very much open to kind of figuring out the best way forward. So that's one thing that they, they definitely communicated. I would say if you, if you, if you are a an earlier finisher and uh, and wrote, you will be able to kick back and, and watch it. But well, I, well, what I know what it kicking I know, off? It was, I think it's kicking off midday. Okay. And it, I think it's going to be what about five, six hours, something like that. And they're that. on the same course, but l less of the course. So mm. are they doing one lap of the bike course? Uh, one and a half, I think, or something okay. like that. Okay. And how long was the run? I think it was twenty k's. Okay, so basically lap of the run course as well. Um, okay, uh, Lucy Francis has got. I'd watch it with interest, but I have to admit that I haven't taken the time to read or understand the rules and the point system. So. We'll, we'll let you know about that closer to the time. But Jonbo, we'll let's have a bit of a discussion about it. So you've got some interesting thoughts here, talking to rankings, how the rankings would work and how they'll be picked right now based on the rankings. Yeah, so Torsten's come up with the ranking system. You'll hear about that when I do an interview with him later on in terms of how it's structured. But the, the current lineups would be um, in terms of the four automatic qualifiers, so how the teams work. There's six per team. 
and you have four automatic qualifiers based off the ranking system and then two picks for um, the, 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 the team captains make. So on the guys' side of things, you'd have uh, on the world team, you'd have Lionel Sanders, Brent McMahon, Terenzo Bozzoni and Tim Reid. Uh, Europe, you would have Keenley, Frodo, Boucherer and Patrick Nelson. And in the US, you'd have O'Donnell, Hoffman, Ru- um, Matt Russell and Andy Potts. It's actually pretty interesting because you, you, you mm. wouldn't say it's, you know, like who was saying that they think it's a bit of an, uh, like Mick was saying, bit uh, of a white yeah, was saying Europeans, I don't know if that's... They would be favourites. Yeah. But, but Sanders, McMahon... You know, if you, if, you, if you line them up here based off rankings, you know, so if you put all of your number ones against each other, you're going to have Sanders versus Keenley versus O'Donnell. And you would say, actually... No, wouldn't distance, you say Frodo? Well, based off the current rankings. Oh, this is the current rankings. Okay, yeah. sorry. So Keenlay is currently ranked. So it depends. You can put what you can. You'll be able to put your athletes in whatever order you want. But if you had Sanders versus Keenlay versus O'Donnell, geez, I don't know who would finish first out of Sanders and Keenlay. You'd say O'Donnell's going to finish um, third, probably. Yep. But and then you know your second race would be McMahon, Frodo, Hoffman. Again, you'd say Frodo probably take that but McMahon over half is pretty handy yeah I don't think it'd be a lay down Mazir and again lay down Mazir Hoffman probably um, would come third there so I think the, the Americans are going to get spanked a bit and then your third race you have Bazzoni versus Boucherer versus Russell and uh, Terenzo versus Boucherer over a sort of between half and yeah Terenzo's uh, pretty knows? sharp there yeah um, and then your final race would be Tim Reed versus Patrick Nelson versus Andy Potts you'd pick Reed wouldn't you you'd pick Reed and then you, well, Nielsen's been doing some fantastic iron distance race, but you might go read Potts Nielsen. So, because it is that mid, you know, it's not quite an Ironman, mm. you know, so it is that kind of in that middle point of a, of a half and an Ironman, which, you know, like the guy like a Reed who's an X 70.3 athlete, mm. you know, is a good Ironman, but, you know, like, you know, he's mm-hmm. axing the 7.3, that might work to his advantage. And they're going to be down on Potts out of the swim, so Potts might have a minute on him out of the swim, and then it's going to be a straight TTT bike ride. So, I think, yeah, the Europeans would definitely be favourites and you would expect them to win. Um, but, you know. But that's just with the guys, but so when we look at the girls, what's happening there? Girls, so I think this would be a bit more clear cut. Um, Europe, again, would be the strongest. So, if you, again, if you went off the rankings, you'd go Sarah Crowley uh, versus Reef versus Heather Jackson. Uh, and Reef's just going to spank everybody there. Second one, uh, you'd have Holscheidt versus Lawrence versus Kessler. Now, she's pregnant, so obviously not going to happen. But again, Lawrence over that distance, you think would crush everybody. But K- Meredith Kessler is pretty handy. Uh, third race, you'd have Heather Wirtle versus Kaiser Sully, which she was a girl who, the Finnish girl who got. Oh, yeah, fourth. Third, 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 third or yeah. fourth in Kona yeah. last when year. When she rode a bike, didn't I mean, when she was like 11? Versus Sarah Pampiano. Uh, and there, that's when you'd say maybe the world might have, you'd possibly say Heather Wirtle over that distance might have it and then the fourth race would be um, Carrie Lester versus Laura Siddle versus Liz Lyles and that one why, why aren't Kiffer in that there? just well, having much. having babies oh I didn't know Kiffer was pregnant surely you did oh maybe I did yeah congratulations you did, you did. Okay. Um, you knew that uh so that, I think that would start to get interesting. But when you've got those really dominant players like Reef and, and Holly Lawrence, they're going to just crush it. Um, but yeah, I think it would be, but Europe the, would be favourites. It is interesting because, like, again, the way the coach, so the, each team has the captains and the captains will choose order. Mm. So because the other thing they do, which is really cool, is you get penalty points based if you lose 
the time. Mm. So, like, you know, you might go, well, I'll put my weakest person against Reef because there's no hope. Mm. But then Reef dominates so much that it costs you so many points. So it does, you know, you've really, it is a bit more of a chess match than just a one-on-one game against people, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And then they get to pick one person each? Two. 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 Yeah, so then, so then that's how you'd balance it up. Well, again, that's probably going to actually help Europe more than anything. Then you're going to pick Alistair Brownlee on the guys' side yeah. of things. Um, and on the girls' side of things, I'm not sure. Yeah, and that, that, you could take a, a, a get um, the ITU girl, Flora Duffy. You know, if she was interested in racing, you could roll the dice and go, I'm going to pick her. So she'd be on the world team. Yeah. Um, so that's where you and what's really cool, like at the moment, if you were to, if you were a betting man like John is, mm-hmm. you'd say you'd put your money on Europe right now. But you know the sport does come and go. Like if you know, 15, 20 years ago, you would have put it on America, and then you know around the Macca and Crowy time, you would have put it on you know the world. You know, and so like it is something that will be kind of transient in who's going to be winning the kind of competition long term. So yeah, John. So I suppose the question is, does it appeal to you? It does. I think the key thing uh, is going to be. Granted, we're probably not going to be there, but uh, if we, assuming we weren't, in terms of a spectacle, how they're going to cover all the races, you know, so there's going to be twelve races uh, going, at going one time. once, mm. and how are you going to cover that? Just the logistics of that, you know, you think for us in Kona, do they have do they have two cameras or do they have three cameras out there, but they're pro- in terms of yeah. moving cameras, it's two or three or, or something like that. And then in Tour de France, I mean, how many would they have in that? I'm not quite sure, but I, I, I don't think they'd have 12. To have 12 cameras on all the different races at any one stage is going to be tricky. So I think that's the big question is how are they going to package it up to make it appealing, keep your attention all the way through the race. So yeah, for, for me, also that first time, is, is, I would definitely be watching it. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I think it hits, hits our market. I'm more likely to, no, I, <clears throat> I'm definitely more likely to watch this than I am to watch an Ironman race, you know, a Frankfurt or a yeah. Rote or, or anything other than Kona. Um, because at this stage, it, we're not, you haven't seen commitment from people like Frodo or Keenlay and, and things like that, and that, will, I guess, will be the key. But you've got enough commitment from enough of the big hitters, I think, to make it a really interesting contest. But I guess, yeah, the, the critical thing is going to be is those big names getting in behind it. And you really hope they do because this could, you don't want to say it's going to be a game changer, but it's just going to add something really different to our sport and it's only going to be successful if those big hitters uh, well, I, come in. I do think we can't, if, if, now this is a big if, but if it delivers on what Charles and that thinks it could be, it does become a game changer mm-hmm. because if these pros can become household names in, you know, to Joe Public, now admittedly household names are pretty big cool, mm-hmm. but, you know, that's kind of the level they're trying to kind of aim it at and it becomes a mainstream TV spectacle where, you know, goes around the world and people actually get involved and suddenly, you know, in America it's a part of their sports news, it, like it gets covered on ESPN or something like that. The money in the game lifts up big mm. time for pros, doesn't it? And then the pros appeal to, you know, because one of the, our discussions in the sport over the last period of time has been that pros' value to the sport has diminished as the age grouper experience has become the more important thing of the sport. Mm-hmm. And so if the age grouper experience is the more important thing of the sport, how, what value do pros bring? Whereas if something like this comes along and they become more household name, more marketable, bigger to bigger corporations then to get pros to races becomes a more important thing again so they start to gain that kind of seesaw of power back mm. and that can be a massive game changer for the sport yes. and great great for development of sport because then if 
you know tides lift higher so if you know the top 20 people or 30 people racing this race can make you know big money then it means our second tier third tier get a bit more money to get development and exactly. you know the third tier pros so it's a big if but mm. I, you know if in five ten years from now this is booming it's got to be great for the sport. And they've just got so many big names already behind it. I mean, uh, granted, a lot of them are at the end of their career or they retired, but when you've got Chrissy in there, you've got Joycey in there, Miranda Carfrey, Craig Alexander, Mark, um, Dave Scott, you know, you've got enough big names, I think. Uh, but the, the key is going to be getting, you know, Reef, Frodo, and Keenlay, and Lionel Sanders, and people like that, those big, big hitters. And if they can do that, it's going to be awesome. Well, the key is getting the TV coverage. Mm. Yeah, that's the real key. But we'll talk to Charles about that. Okay, guys, this week's discussion is while the pros may be at the height of our sport, sometimes they show they're a bit more human like the rest of us. For this week's discussion, we want you to share the most bizarre elite blunders you have seen. So, so Based off what we saw in the, and again, I'm not going to spoil this for you that want to watch the ITU race from Edmonton, what we saw from that race there, and that's where this, this idea came from. It's worth going back to just see how angry John got at me. <laughs> Go back and listen to it then. After you've watched your race. Okay, um, let's have a look here. We've got a sponsor. Extreme Endurance. For you guys that order off the uh, xendurance.com, uh, if you order over $100, a free shipping is free. Well, let's, let's clarify that in the States. In the States. Yes. Uh, so I've had a few questions around the Fuel 5 because I did comment that I used it when I was over in Kona and I've had a few people asking me, um, you know, how did you find it, etc., and how does it all sort of work? And so I'm just waiting for Bevan's page. So the Fuel 5, I actually use the Fuel 5 with caffeine, so Fuel 5 Plus. Excuse me. Um, just in terms of the dosage of this, and this is really important when you're planning out your race nutrition. Um, one, uh, two scoops. So you put two scoops into your bottle. That works out at 34 grams of carbohydrates. So if you're planning on using this in a race, you have to factor that into the mix that you either um, put in more scoops. So two, two scoops is supposed to go into a, uh, I don't think it's a full size bottle. If you put three scoops in, then you're going to be getting up to sort of into the 50 grams of carbohydrates per bottle. Then you've got to figure out how much you actually need to sustain you through a race. And for me, it's it's more than that. You know, I need sort of 60 to 70 grams when I'm on the bike. So I think to exclusively fuel yourself on Fuel 5 during a race is going to be challenging. So you'd use it in conjunction with, with something else in terms of uh, your fueling all the way through the bike ride um, but the reason why people I think have been asking me the questions is I find the flavour is just a bit different, it's not as sugary and it's um, it's a berry flavoured but yeah you just don't feel like you're getting that constant uh, sugar rush every time you take a, a drink of your sports drinks so I think that's the experience I had with it is um, uh, I haven't fueled myself all the way through an Ironman race with it, I've been using it as tra- in, in training um, as, my, as a fuel source if you're going to be using it in a race, you need to top it up with something else, um, whereas with some other products you can exclusively go uh, just on the, the liquid side of things. The big thing that, I, that worked really well for me in Kona was when I used the Fuel 5 Plus, and then it gave me that boost of having having the caffeine in there as well. So Kona when you did 7.3? Just when I was out training, oh, okay. and, uh, and it was in a pretty low moment, and, uh, and took it, and then... It probably took, you know, this. I, I took it when I was in coming down from Harvey um, and was still struggling by the time I got to Kauai High. So that's, I don't know, it's about a 20, 25k sort of, net, you know, just rolling downhill. And then by the time I was onto the Queen K, though, then it started kicking in and I was feeling 
pretty bloody good so it's that sort of caffeine hit that you get so if you are struggling with your nutrition and you are looking for something that isn't quite as sweet then uh, give it some consideration it's a fuel 5 plus and remember the promo code imtalk20 to get 20% off Okay, John Bo, we're going to put an interview up with Dawson right now, talking about the KPR cutoff. It's just happened over the last few days, so we're just going to break down all the things that you need to know about that. All right, guys, you will have heard earlier in the show, um, we were sort of talking about the Collins Cup and rankings and what have you, but uh, as of today, we will have um, had the cutoff time for the pro athletes, or the first cutoff for them to qualify for Kona, and we know, we've talked to Torsten about that before, and we're going to talk to him again, because he is the man who knows the most about what's going on. At this stage, it'll be fairly unofficial, because uh, the athletes will have to either accept or decline their slots, and I guess we'll know over the next little period who has declined it and how far it's going to roll down. It's a bit like a, a, a Kona age group roll down ceremony, so Welcome back to the show, Torsten. Well, thanks for having me again, and um, yeah, good to meet you again via Skype this time, right? <laughs> exactly. Last time it was in the in the flesh. Um, t- t- tell us how this sort of how this works out for the pros. You know, they've been quali- accruing points since Kona last year, and, and the rankings do include Kona as sort of the first um, the first race where there's the biggest amount of points available but sort of just run us through how it works you know today in terms of um, how many people go through on both the males and the female side well the, the qualifying period actually starts um at, at, that, at actually, after yeah. the old cutoff so it's uh hmm. what is all it's the uh, first of september sometimes some some late august races do already count for Kona the following year so basically there's a an 11 or 12 month period where um pros can accumulate points and then there's a cutoff at the end of july this year it worked out to almost exactly the end of july and there's another one at the end of august um this year that's going to be august 20th um so sweden copenhagen montreblanc those will be the final races that have points for kona qualifying and we'll have a second cutoff after those races first cutoff was after this weekend's races in let's see what do we have 70.3 ecuador uh, we had Zurich, we had um, Whistler. Mm. And Whistler's going to stay on the calendar by the sounds of it, which is, uh, which is good for the people up that neck of the woods. Um, so how many slots have we had that will be cut off today? And, and then uh, how many do we have at the, the second cutoff? Mm-hmm. The first cutoff um, assigns 40 slots for the male and 28 for the females. And lots of discussion that we had in the past about <laughs> that, about the uh, unequal number of slots. And then for the August cutoff, um, there's going to be 10 more on the male side and seven more on the female side. So we'll end up with 50 for the male and 35 point slots for the females, in addition to the automatic qualifiers that are given out to the winners of the regionals and to previous five years winners um, in Kona. So um, field may be a little bit larger than the 50-35. Yeah, so does it normally end up being what? 55 and sort of 38 or 39 what is it what does it normally end up being yeah i think the total number will be i think on the on the females we have five automatic qualifiers this year and on the male side something like eight or so and then usually some people drop off because they're getting injured pretty close to the race so 55 and 40 are the typical numbers for the starters and then 
who knows how many finish, right? <laughs> exactly. And usually more girls than boys. Um, <laughs> in terms of you always um, sort of come up with your predictions, and I know some of the pros contact you saying, um, you know, how many points do you think we're going to need? So, you know, what did, what did you predict this year would be the, the likely cutoff? And, um, and how close, I know you won't know for sure at this stage um, because there may be some surprise people declining their spots. But, you know, what did you predict and what does it look like it'll be roughly in terms of the amount of points required? Yeah, Ironman is always fiddling a little bit with the system. Um, what they changed from last year to this year is last year, I think there were five races that counted towards the total. This year, a to- uh, up to four. So that always changes um, things up a little bit. Um, predictions that I had was, I think for the females, I had 4,300. And it ended up, if Kareen makes it, um, she'll she'll be at 4,400. So pretty close. And for the male, I had 3,500 initially, and it's 3,420, so pretty close for that one too. But um, that's that's the number that's more or less always um, just just a guess um, as the season progresses. And then it, it always comes down to the last two, three, four weekends where the actual cutoff will occur because people sometimes chase a slot, sometimes they don't. Um, and sometimes a lot of things just just don't work out the way people thought. I mean, for example, Whistler, I had three or four athletes that could have gotten a slot if they had placed well, and none of them did. So mm-hmm. um, none of them uh, got into the mix there, unfortunately mm-hmm. for Joycey. Yes, Rachel Joyce only matched uh, fourth place, as you all have heard earlier in the show, which is a bit of a bummer for her because uh, it's going to be pretty difficult for her to to make it, I guess, but we'll see what happens. Now, you you mentioned there about the the males versus the females, and it's been a point of contention, but doesn't seem to be rearing its head quite as much as it has in the past but my my uh, you guys would have heard my sort of opinion on this the numbers uh, uh, you know it's 50 and 35 and i kind of think well the number is is kind of relevant i just want to see a fair a fair system and at the moment it still doesn't seem like it's it's fair for the males versus females in terms of what they have to do to qualify so um you know on the uh, if we look at the 40th male which you have down as uh jesse thomas on your ratings um when you take out the automatic qualifiers and then yes the yeah. 28th female is lauren brandon so jesse thomas only required to get uh, 3400 well, has a, a Achieved 3420 points and Lauren Brandon is 4425 so she's had to go out there and achieve an extra thousand points um, in this case um, they've, they've both done two Ironmans and two 70.3s but she's had to finish much higher up the field than um, than what say Jesse Thomas is so it still seems like the system is is uh, is means that the females either have to race more or they have to place higher than the guys. Is that sort of uh, your take on it? Yeah, that's pretty much my take on it. Uh, The difference, as you said, it's about a thousand points, uh, somewhere around that number. And that's basically uh, finishing on the podium one more time than uh, uh, for a female than for for a male. Um, Both Jesse and Lauren, um, I think they they uh, raced pretty early in the season. Um, Jesse did Lanzarote in May, I think, and Lauren did Texas in in April, and they pretty much shut down their racing after that. I mean, there were a couple seventy point threes that they both tried to uh, accumulate more points, but both of them decided that after that it didn't make sense for them to try uh, to race another Ironman. Whereas that is something that a number of other people did. I mean, just look at Harry Wiltshire, who seems to be starting an Ironman almost every weekend now to 
get the last final points that he still needs. Um, there's a lot of people that just race a ton to make it to Kona. And as the females need more points, um, yeah, they, they also have to race more often to, to get to that level uh, in hopes to place well in the races, uh, maybe have some luck with the competition that's in a race, and then score a lot of points. So, I yeah, I pretty much agree with you that uh, the numbers should be similar um, for the male and females, and that, um, yeah, Ironman should figure out what a good number for the Kona field is going to be, maybe 40, maybe 35, maybe 50, whatever, and you just use that number for the male and females. But, I mean, the discussion has died down because... Um, Ironman has pretty much put their foot down and said it's not going to happen. So um, it's it's kind of hard to argue with someone who's who's has a fixed opinion yeah. and um, doesn't seem to uh, be willing to engage in the discussion. I was just wondering what the, you might have it in front of you as well. Who who is the fortieth ranked female on your system, and how many how many points do they have? I, I'm just having a quick look here. I'd, I'd imagine it's. Uh, Fairly, fairly similar in terms of the number of points. Um, let's see. I'm, so, fortieth uh, male, as you said, is Jesse Thomas with thirty-four twenty, and fortieth female is uh, Pamela Tustas with thirty-four twenty-five. So that's pretty much comparable. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think that's uh, it's a fairly compelling argument to put to it to Ironman. So, look, let's all uh, keep. Yeah, I, well, I, I mean, there's there's always a lot of things going on just around the cutoff because that's the interesting number um, that that athletes are looking for and where they make a decision do I race again or do I try for another race but yeah pretty comparable between male and female I think mm. kind of seems pretty crazy when they're throwing all these other slots around at different races that they can't find a few more slots <laughs> for the females uh, pretty frustrating anyway um, well let's keep on the, the females theme um, Quite a few females this year out with with pregnancy, and um, whether we see them come back or not, you know, Joyce's on her comeback trail and had a had a, a solid performance at Boulder, but uh, no, a, a fairly weak performance by her standards last weekend in Whistler. Um, but we've also got Miranda Carfrey out, Liz Blatchford out, Meredith Kessler, and there's probably uh, several others. I know there's a few short course girls out mm. as well, um, and then people like Lucy Gossage is you know she's back working and said she's not going to go to Kona, so. You've got your ear to the ground fairly well on um, who's racing and who's not. Are there any other females that you're aware of that have said they're, they're not going to Kona this year? Well, looking at the list of females that we have there, I don't think there's um, anyone that I would think would, would decline a slot on the male side and on the female side. All of them have raced hard to make it there. I mean, you just don't um, get there by accident, um, having to race two Ironmans just to, just to make it across the line there. There might be some from the uh, August qualifiers, so that's even trickier to calculate where, where things will end up. But I don't see anyone else other than Lucy Gossage that would decline a slot. I mean, um, some athletes have been injured for a bit, but I think all of them are still of the opinion that uh, they can get in top shape for, for October and have a good race in Kona. The, the, one, mean, the, the one that I saw on there that she hasn't done an Ironman, so she doesn't qualify any, anyway, was um, Heather Wirtle. She was obviously at Rote, but uh, but uh, she she's obviously not going, I assume. No, Heather is, hasn't validated, so she hasn't done an Ironman in the qualifying period, so she doesn't even count into the, the rankings at all. Um, I think she made a conscious decision not to uh, attack Kona this year, um, but to do a lot of uh, challenge races in, in Europe over the summer. 
um, with mixed success. I mean, bit of a bummer for her that Ruth didn't go quite the way she planned. That would have been real interesting to see mm. if she could um, mix it up with um, um, Daniela, with Yvonne and 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 Laura. Um, yeah. So she she made a decision not to go there. Uh, Rini didn't validate. Um, Holly Lawrence would also have been one that uh, was pretty well placed points wise. Um, also didn't do an Ironman so far, so those are not in the rankings. And yeah, I don't know if if we're going to see any of those return to this, to or go to Kona in the next couple of years. Mm. So, um, are there any athletes, you know, strong athletes that that? And obviously, you know, the, the real contenders um, have all qualified f- through whatever path they wanted to get to Kona or chose to take. Um, are there any strong athletes? You know, we, we've talked about Rachel Joyce. Um, any other sort of athletes that you consider strong athletes, you know, top 10 contenders that have missed out for one reason or another? Either they have uh, haven't done enough races or they've got injured. So any, any sort of strong athletes that have, that have missed out? Yeah, on the female side, I'd I'd say Yvonne van Flerken. She's also made a conscious decision not to go for Kona again. Um, she did road. Uh, she did a couple smaller ones. I mean, she she theoretically would be able if she did Maastricht maybe next next weekend to make it there. Um, she decided to do um, Challenge Almer in the in the summer um, ETU long distance championship. So conscious decision from from her not to go to Kona. Yeah, but on the on the female side, that's pretty much it. I mean. <laughs> Obviously, Rini uh, won't be there, but uh, I don't think there was much of a decision for her to uh, no. not do an Ironman earlier this year. That would be would have been really interesting to see her do like three months pregnant and then yeah. do a, a, a month after giving birth. So, I mean, that's that's obviously out of the picture. A couple of others that might still make it. I mean, Eva Wuti uh, has been winning Austria and she's uh, just returning from maternity similar to, to Joycey. Um, she's going to do Hamburg in a couple of weeks, so she might still qualify in in uh, August. And on the male side, I mean, the the big name that's still missing that tried and didn't quite work out is Andreas Relat. Mm. Um, he tried, uh, he did Brazil and wanted to race well there and just scored, I think, was somewhere in, uh, beyond 10th place or so. Um, he's still trying to uh, accumulate points and maybe make it uh, through Montremblant and uh, get the points he needs there but probably he needs a win so um even then it'll be real close so I don't, i'm not sure if he if he, he'll be able to make it his brother as well uh Inicolan is one of those long running athletes that had top 10 potential that wasn't quite racing as well as in the past and there might be might be some that still can make it i mean jeff simons never had a really good re- result in kona yet but always someone who we can look for he didn't make it either this year. So a couple of names there, but I mean, there's no real um, superstars, so to speak, other than maybe Andy and uh, Joycey and Yvonne that haven't made it yet. Mm. Um, probably the one other one that I saw, saw on that list that um, she may scrape in or she may not, I'm not sure if you know, but Jocelyn McCauley, who we've interviewed on the show, you know, she's won two Ironmans and her Ironman New Zealand performance was um, was exceptional and uh, and she, you've got her ranked at um, in 30th place at the moment with 4,385 points. So she, she might scrape in in the second round, but do you know any, do you know what her plans might be? Yeah, she was also thinking about, um, she did uh, Texas uh, pretty close after New Zealand and had a bit of a disaster race there with a couple of flats and not getting enough points to be safe there. Uh, she's uh, considering Corrine likely will get the slot from from Lucy, uh, be the first 
uh, non-qualifier there. And I think her chances of making it in August are quite good. Mm. Um, if Yeah, but she hasn't raced Kona before, so we'll never know how, or we we won't know until this year, how well she'll, she'll be racing in Kona mm. and uh, what her potential would be there. But um, yeah, just, just from seeing her race, uh, strong runner, small person, so that should be a uh, good potential for for Kona for her, but we'll see how that turns out. First, she has to qualify, or she has to get a slot. Mm. Um, I think she's trying to do a seventy point three uh, uh, Boulder or something to maybe catch some more points and then really be be uh, safe for for August. And then we'll see how her Kona race goes. I mean, a lot of um, athletes um, have decided not to go the the Harry Wilcher route of racing and racing and racing and just uh, rolling the dice and hoping things turn out um, in order to, well, maybe not qualify, but in case they do qualify, not having wrecked their chances for a good Kona race by working really hard to to qualify. And that's uh, interesting because we've seen other strategies or other um, um, uh, ways of people racing in the last years. Mm-hmm. So on the girls' side of things, you know, what what are in terms of your rating system, you know, what have been the really strong performances of the season so far? It, it just becomes a blur sometimes. You know, if, if someone asks me the question, you know, what have been the best female performances or male performances of the year so far, it just becomes mm-hmm. a blur. There's been so many races, and if you've had the championship races, and and obviously all the other races around that. Um, so what 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 is the rating system and, and and your gut feeling telling you have been some of the the best female performances and and some of the females that look to be in the best form we know that doesn't always translate to Kona form but, so Kona, yeah. but what, what have we seen from from the season so far in terms of the best performances I mean the best performances based on the numbers that I run is uh, Daniela with her race in Rot, even though uh, she didn't break the world record but it yeah. was still the fastest time of the year and I mean it's 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 telling that an 840 is a disappointment almost <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that that's been the best performance as far as I can see. Then I have our South Africa race, uh, Sarah Crowley in Germany, um, Kaisa in South Africa, uh, Lucy Charles in Germany, Jocelyn in New Zealand, um, and Joycey in Boulder. Um, so, mm. yeah, uh, would I mean Joycey would be a real bummer if she doesn't make it because um, for Kona she'll be really someone to watch uh, with her experience there and always being able to prepare on the dot. So hopefully things work out for her. If she does a good seventy point three, would that give her give her enough points? Um, I think she yeah she she um, has two seventy point three, so a good seventy point three would help her. Um, but I don't know if she's on the list for anyone, and I'm not sure how how soon after mm-hmm. um, racing her heart out in Whistler she'll be able to have a good seventy point three. Because mm-hmm. I mean seventy point threes end up being quite competitive to to uh, mm-hmm. with a bunch of the. 70.3 specialists getting ready for Chattanooga, so it's not uh, easy points that are around there. Um, yeah, I was interested to hear you know you mentioned Sarah Crowley, who's who's a new name, and not a lot of people will um, will know her. So she's won what a couple of championship races. So um, I guess you're saying her performances, irrespective of what the field's strength has been like, have been uh, have been pretty solid. Yeah, I mean she won Cairns and she won uh, Frankfurt just a couple of weeks after. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she was in Kona last year and pretty much unnoticed, I think 15th or something like that. Mm. Um, so, um, she's going to, uh, race Kona, uh, without too many expectations cause she, she already did a ton of races this year and it will probably just go to Kona for learning more about the race there. 
Um, but then that might also be a good um, starting point to have a good race and race without expectations. Uh, sometimes you can surprise yourself uh, in a relaxed uh, environment, and I don't think she was expecting too much uh, from from Germany. Mm. Uh, so she'll she'll be an interesting one, and uh, another interesting one would be Lucy Lucy Charles, um, also with a fast race in Germany, a solid win in Lanzarote, um, a bunch of really good seventy point threes that that we've seen from her. Uh, she seems to have really stepped it up this year, and she might be an interesting one because she's uh, a strong swimmer. She might um, break up the big group that we've seen in the past uh, in the swim. So she may be just a minute or two ahead of, of a bunch of the rest of the field. And then she's been strong enough on the bike to stay ahead. And I don't know how, how that might turn out for her. Mm. Um, at, at least someone that'll get a, a bunch of uh, camera time, I guess, in, in Kona. And maybe throw a little spanner in some other people's plans. It really looks like, you know, you're looking at the top 10 rankings on um, on the Ironman system. The girls that performed well in Kona last year seem to have raced um, fairly smartly, you know, looking at... So, so uh, Kaiser, the Finnish girl, she must have got married because her surname was different last year. It was, wasn't yeah, it like Lutonen yeah. or something like that? Lechton, yeah. She's yeah. Sally now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, she did the world champs last year and got 5,200 points. And then did Ironman in South Africa, which would have been way back in uh, March or April. Um, and so, she, you know, she's obviously really dialing in for Kona. And look at Susie Cheatham. She did, did the same pathway um, or similar pathway. She did uh, Brazil and South Africa. So got her racing done early in the season. And, um, yeah, those and Anya Berenik, you know, she's only done one other race. So um, she did Kona and then did Frankfurt. So Frankfurt, that, that yeah. Kona result, if you can get a good Kona result, even if it's a top 15, just um, just gives you such a big head start, doesn't it? Yeah, top 10 in Kona, both for the male and female, is pretty much an automatic qualifier. You still have to validate your slot by doing another Ironman sometime in the season, but probably you want to do that anyways. And... Um, yeah, if, if, if you're um, able to plan smart towards Kona, um, obviously it's putting pretty much all your eggs in the Kona basket. Um, but I think that's needed if you want to have a really strong performance in Kona that you have to put your focus there and have to have the time, give yourself the time for a focused build there and then have a great performance there. Mm. So we'll so- see how the other girls turn out there. I mean, Laura, for example, Laura Siddle, uh, she's been racing her heart out. Oh she's God. placed well in the KPR, yeah. but she, I don't know what she did. What did she do? Two Ironman races or challenge. Uh, and she did Ironman New Zealand. She did Ironman Australia. She did Challenge Road. So uh, Kona will be her fifth and, um, and long done, distance race. Yeah. Tons of 70.3s too. Yeah. Yeah. Since since Road, which was only three weeks ago, she's done two, two challenge half races. So man, she is going to be one tired girl. Um, right. On the, the guys side of things, you've, you mentioned a, a little bit about the guys, about the Ray Lertz and, and so on. Um, are, there, are there many others uh, that have said they're not going? I know that Joe Skipper, when he was in uh, Roach, said he's not going and not, not attempting to go. Um, are there any other strong athletes, um, males that, that you know aren't going? Well, not from those that are placed pretty high up. I mean, for Joe, it came down. He had a bad race in South Africa. He had a bad race in Texas. And at that point, he had to make a decision whether to chase a slot or uh, to go for uh, for road and have a good race there. Um, so he pretty much uh, let Kona go at that point. Um, almost all the others that are are um, 
that did race and try to get the points for, to make it to Kona, I don't think anyone will be in there who's going to decline a slot. I mean, Terenzo was injured for a while, but had a decent uh, race in, in Rode again. He might have been one candidate if he ends up being injured to decline. But other than that, um, yeah, I don't think there's anyone in there who's really um, injured or has been dealing or hasn't been racing for a while. Uh, Brent McMahon was had a bad race in Brazil and then backed it up with uh, a solid win in, in Lake Placid. Uh, you can just go through list. I mean, almost everyone will have had a good race um, pretty much recently. So don't expect any roll downs on the men's side, mm. but you never know. What about some of the, the short course um, specialists? And by short course, I mean um, sort of the 70.3 athletes. You know, Tim Reid and, and Lionel Sanders. Lionel Sanders initially said he wasn't going to go to Kona unless his swim had got up. Tim Reid has um, he's had an Ironman, some Ironman win, or had an Ironman win in, in Australia, I think it was last year, but really hasn't been able to crack it in Kona. And he's the defending 70.3 um, world champion. So what, what about some of those guys? Have they indicated that they are definitely going? Well, I mean, let's go through the list. Um, Lionel Sanders um, shifted his focus sometime in the summer um, towards Kona. Um, he must he must be real confident that his swim has improved uh, so that he can be competitive in Kona. Um, I think he lost more than 10 minutes last year. And um, if he loses somewhere in the, in the order of five to eight minutes, then uh, he'll be in the company of some stronger bikers that will help him make it up to the front group. So... Um, that must be his plan. And I think all in all, uh, he he must think that Kona is a more fair race to him than a 70.3 championship with a bunch of with a really strong front group and the um, drafting mm. uh, situation uh, legally or illegally with 12 meters or 10 and a half or mm. whatever it, it, that turns out. Uh, he he must feel that uh, Kona is is a more fair race uh, to him than uh, the seventy point three champs would be. So that would be Lionel. Um, yeah, he could be an interesting one in Kona too, because if he makes it up to the front group before the climb to Havi, and he's in that group, um, he'll be racing his heart out, and he'll be just enjoying being in the mix, and he'll he'll love to try a couple of things and maybe unorthodox uh, things, but. Uh, it'll be interesting to see him race uh, in in that kind of group with Sebi, with Frodo, with all the others that are in there. So that could be an interesting one. Um, from the 70.3, yeah, Tim Reed. I don't know. He probably will be putting a bit more of a focus on Kona than he did last year. It was obvious last year with the 70.3 champs in Australia that that would be his main focus. And um, yeah, it was, was hard to expect too much from him in, in Kona after that, uh, after the emotional highlight after all the press stuff that he had to go through i guess and I, i'm not sure how he's going to handle this year mm-hmm. um with the 70.3 champs in the u.s obviously he doesn't want to just um you know turn that into a press event for him he'll want to uh, have a decent showing as the defending champion there but i i have a feeling that his focus is on kona and he wants to be uh, good in kona this year mm-hmm. and will have a better result than than last year where dnf pretty early Mm. Uh, Rudy Wild would be another one that um, moves up from the 70.3 distance but other than that I don't think there's too many uh, actually moving up from the shorter distances that have made it uh, into Kona uh, quite yet uh, Ronaldo Colucci yeah maybe he just eked in 
Um, yeah, but other than that, um, not really too many speedsters uh, moving up in the rings and um, co- ha- having qualified for Kona. And, and similar to the, I mean, as you said, it would be fascinating if, if Sanders can come out of the water with um, with Sebastian Keenlay, um, what they can do on the bike will be will be very interesting. So, um, on the in terms of the best performances from the guys, similar to the to the girls, you know, um, we perhaps haven't seen we haven't seen Frodo really light it up in terms of a, a record breaking performance like he did at Rote last year. But you know, what have been the best performances statistically um, by the guys so far this season? Yeah, my number one is, is Sebi Keenler's race from Germany. I don't know if it, it almost looks like I have a statistical bias for the for the German race there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, his time was really fast. I mean, the the course was a little bit shorter, so maybe that throws the numbers off. But 7:41, uh, regardless of where where that was, uh, was it was a great time. Uh, Tim Don had a great performance in Brazil. Uh, he might also be an interesting one to watch for in Kona because he's gotten the experience now to in Kona that uh, if he races on the similar level that he did in Brazil. Um, so that could be an interesting one. Uh, ben Hoffman is one that I have pretty high up on the list with his sub-8 win in South Africa. First time anyone ever wins sub-8 in South Africa. Uh, that was a cool race to watch. And he's also one that's putting a focus on Kona, prepare well there, has had great success in the last couple of years and will want to look it up, look to step it up again a little bit. Frodo was there. McMahon was there with his time in Lake Placid. Um, Matt Hansen from his win in in Texas. Yeah, a bunch of people more that, you know, the usual suspects that we saw in the front group last year and um, will will be an interesting one uh, for sure with uh, probably a bit larger number of uh, top contenders than than we have for the females. Mm. Um, in in terms of the new faces we're sort of seeing on the uh, on the guys side of things, um, I'm thinking perhaps uh, Nick Castellin. He had a, a a win at Ironman Switzerland um, over the over the weekend, and, and and then he's backed that up from a, a obviously looks like a decent placing at Western Australia and a few a couple of seventy point threes. So he's ranked fairly highly. Um, mm-hmm. Any other sort of new faces on on the guys side of things, um, or guys that have made significant moves up the rankings? And you can include your Germans in there as well, Boris, <laughs> maybe Boris Stein or somebody like that. So who else are we sort of seeing moving up? And I also just notice Braden Curry's ranked pretty highly as well so he's obviously going to be yeah, going he, he, yep uh, so Nick would have been one that I mentioned because I mean uh, quite surprisingly he was the one who had the fastest Australian time uh, in an Ironman last year or in a long distance race with his time in in, in uh, road from last year which was his first long distance race so uh, he's slowly getting up the experience uh, was re- really strong in, in Switzerland let's see what he can do in Kona I mean he's in the right training group for to uh, ask the, the, a bunch of questions with uh, Terenzo and and Frodo, so um, yeah, we'll we'll see how that turns out. Uh, Josh Amberger was also one that that stepped up big this year with his win in Cairns, um, and I I, I want to mention Patrick Nielsen because he was also one of those guys that didn't race Kona so far, um, was really fast uh, in the fall last year, and then he was second third in in uh, uh, Frankfurt. Um, behind uh, Sebi and Andy Böcher. Um yeah, he's, he's not going to be one that's going to be, you know, like a like a podium contender, uh, but one that will be in the mix for quite some time, and he'll be uh, looking to gain experience to do really well, maybe uh, two or three years down the road. Um, yeah, and 
well, Tim Don, we already discussed him in Brazil. Mm-hmm. If he races at the level that he did in, in Brazil, um, yeah, then he could make things interesting in Kona as well. Nice. It's, all, it's, it's interesting looking down this list and seeing all the all the athletes. Ivan Rana, he's still uh, still going, but he'll he'll make it in. And as you said, Harry Wiltshire, he's currently ranked fifty second on the uh, on the Ironman rankings, so he might uh, might almost scrape in as well. So it's always uh, interesting looking through the list and seeing uh, seeing all the different names on there. I had a look on the Kona list, and six hundred and forty seven men that are, have obviously got their pro license, which seems like a fairly large number to me. But uh, <laughs> that's how many uh, pro men there are, you know, running around the traps. Um, Cool. Any any other comments you sort? Of, I, I want to discuss the, the Collins Cup a little bit, but um, any other yep. sort of comments you've got around the, the KPR and any observations you've you've made? Yeah, I mean, we already discussed. There's going to be a couple more people uh, going to come in 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 August, and then uh, that'll close down. Let's see how many roll downs there are going to be, and which of the athletes are still going to step it up. A um, couple of names that I would like to see to make it to Kona. Uh, with the races coming up in Netherlands and then two weeks from now in Hamburg in my hometown. So hopefully I'll have a cool pro race there that I can watch again firsthand. Nice. Now, the, the Collins Cup, we will have discussed this earlier in the show today, um, but I know that you're involved in that in terms of sorting out the rankings and what have you. So I was on there on the website having a look at the rankings, and they're obviously different to what you've got on try rating because you include um, some some half Ironman 70.3s in there as well. So can you maybe explain how the, the, how the rankings work um, for that, which race is included, which races are not included? Well, the races uh, that are included in in the uh, Collins Cup World Rankings um, are basically every race that's uh, a pro- professional race of half Ironman distance uh, length or longer. Uh, so we try to include um, all the challenge. Well, all the challenge races, all the WTC races are pretty much automatically included because we have the data for that. And we also try to include as many as possible uh, independent races. Um, Obviously, we need to find the information. Sometimes that's a bit tricky uh, to find. Um, but, for example, we'll probably include uh, Alpes in in the rankings, w- which had a decent uh, pro field and at a kind of weird uh, in-between distance. So that mm-hmm. makes it always a bit tricky to, to run the numbers. But basically, um, every uh, pro race, half distance or longer, that has a decent price purse uh, can at least submit their data for consideration and we'll do the best to our best to include as many uh, races and as far as wide as possible. Hmm. Um, so that that was kind of the starting point when we designed the rankings. We didn't want to, you know, impose um, a, a fixed schedule or uh, have a preference for a certain type of races or a certain organizer. Um, athletes should just race the races they would always do, uh, whatever considerations they have for that, and then accrue points uh, through these races, and then. Uh, a total is calculated without them forcing them to do any special races or so. Mm. And and how many races count, and, and and how is the weighting done between say um, a half and a full? Well, I mean, you 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 get points uh, for any race that that you do. Um, the idea is that 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 is based on the time that you finish. So we try to calculate uh, what we call an I- ideal time uh, over that course, uh, something that 
say, would be on the level of either a Kona winning performance or a 70.3 championship winning performance, that would be 100 points. If you race faster, you get more than 100 points. If you race lower, you get less than 100 points. And you can count, uh, you can uh, include up to four races in your total. And those would go back um, 12 months uh, or 18 months. If you uh, have uh, some older races, you can also have one uh, race that is from older than 12 months and up to 18 months, so a year and a half. Mm. Um, up to four races in total, and then we just add up the numbers, uh, give out a bit of a bonus to uh, your best Ironman distance race, um, give a bit of a default for those um, that are older than 12 months, add the total, and then voila, there's your total score. And I mean, obviously 400 would be kind of the ideal number. Then you race at a Kona level or 70.3 championship level pretty much every time. Um, I'm not, I, I think uh, Daniela is, is way ahead of that. I don't think uh, the men are, I think, 380-ish or something, the, the top-ranked one. So uh, that's about where the numbers end up. Mm. And I think we have fewer in our totals uh, with that uh, do get some points. So maybe that would be a starting point for establishing pro level instead mm. of the KPR. Basically, you just show up, but that's that's just some ideas that we still have. What we what could could be done with what we have so far. Fantastic! Oh, it's going to be exciting times ahead with the Collins Cup happening in uh, Rout next year. So fantastic! Okay, so um, tell us a bit about tri rating, and uh, for people that don't know about it, you know anything else you're doing that you want to get out there in terms of uh, you've got tri rating dot com, but you've also got your your Kona report that you sort of compile and 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 other ways that uh, people can support what you're doing. Yeah, last night was a kind of short for me because uh, Ironman Whistler was going on until middle of the night for me so I think uh, 2 a.m. is when I was done uh, running the numbers and posting the unofficial uh, KPR and rankings who, who got a slot and who not and um, sending out information to uh, to Lauren and to <laughs> mm. to uh, Jesse that they did make it in at as the last qualifier they were quite anxiously waiting for that um, so that was part of fun yeah I, I post uh start lists, entry lists, and uh, seedings uh, before a race. I analyze the performances of the athletes after the race. Uh, so all the pro race results uh, you can find uh, on tri rating. And the big project coming up for me is the Kona rating report. Um, I think I had a hundred plus pages last time, basically looking at everyone in the pro field in Kona, uh, their chances, their strengths, their weaknesses, and a discussion of where they might end up. Um, yeah, lots of numbers, uh, lots of discussion about uh, what athletes might be able to do. Uh, for some, it's a bit uh, too much data. Uh, for me, it just makes following the race and trying to build a mental picture of what the race will look like uh, much more interesting. And that makes following the race much more interesting to me. I mean, it's not like I'm, I know who's going to win. <laughs> mm. I can have scenarios in my mind of how the race might, might pan out. Um, so it's interesting for me to... Uh, just have the data as a background when following the race and when watching the race. And a lot of people um, seem to have a similar opinion. It gets downloaded. I think the last time I had like more than a thousand downloads for the rating report. Uh, the way I do it, it's uh, uh, donationware. So I put it up for free and then I ask people for a donation like they like what they pay for a magazine if they want to. Uh, they can download it for free, but lots of people just donate a couple of bucks, and some some athletes donate a little bit more. Um, some athletes, some some of the press, some general public, and it's just uh, yeah, 
I, I love to talk with athletes about it and love to share what they are uh, expecting from the race and what, what they hope the race their race will look like. I know it's a fantastic document, and uh, and I honestly think you're probably the person that knows the most about the uh, professional field in triathlon in the world because uh, I think there's a lot of people who know a lot about the top ten athletes, but I think you can uh, you can speak for all those other athletes that are out there, uh, you know, trying to make the qualifying standards. So uh, fantastic work, and guys, check it out tryrating.com, and um, we will no doubt be talking about Torsten's uh, sort of Kona report as we as we approach Kona. So thanks very much for your time as always and uh, we hope you have a good time spectating at uh, Hamburg in a few weeks time thanks John and I hope you recover well from road it's uh, yep so far so good but uh, I wouldn't (laughs) say that I've had many workouts that have exceeded one hour so uh, just (laughs) recreational training at the stage fun anyways exactly Okay, John, uh, just quick thoughts on Dawson? Uh, he's doing a great job, and I, and I said at the very end of that interview, I think he has got to be the most knowledgeable person in our sport in terms of knowing what all the pros are up to, yep. uh, and and it's all good and well knowing what Frodo and Keenlay and the top dudes are doing, but he, he's got a, a really good understanding of what every single pro is doing, and it would be nice to see him getting utilised a little bit more in terms of uh, you know providing expert comments and stuff like that at races because uh, he knows exactly what's going on. And we're lucky, I was talking to him when we were in Germany, and he was just saying how you know he's got a job where he, he's got a job outside of this, and it gives him an income where he can basically spend a lot of time doing this and we're so lucky he has that job because mm. our sport he's such a treasure to our sport isn't he Absolutely. you know like his, his website if you're not going to try rating guys and you care about pro racing you're really missing out and so whenever he puts anything out there make sure you support him because especially when the Kona report comes out um, oh, yeah. in, in sort of uh, a few weeks from sub- now yeah, probably sometime in September um, get a hold of it and, and, and have a gander through it before Kona it'll, just give, it'll give you a lot more enriched viewing of the race assuming they cover quite a few of the pros but you know if some dude goes uh, smoking off the front and they say it's it's so and so Michael Weiss you'll actually go oh that, that dude did this, this, and this. Mm. Um, so it'll give you a better um, race day experience. So check it out at tryrating.com. Okay, John, I'm going to put some music on. Here we go. Coach's Corner. Corner. So the Garmin Edge, John. So tell me about it, because I'm not really up with the Garmin technology. <laughs> no, you, you can be part of this as well, because okay. when, when we were over in uh, in Rote, we had uh, several several rides, obviously. One day we rode the course, and one day, which I always knew was going to be the most challenging day, we were riding point to point from um, Hippelstein, which is... Uh, yeah, where the swim starters for Challenge Road, and then we we're riding to Regensburg, and uh, and I, when I mapped it, I know uh, this is there's a lot of turns here, and the people who had the garments, we got there no problems at all, no worries. Um, yeah, we had a few people lost out there. It was another day that people got lost. No, James Thomas got That's lost right, big time. <laughs> on, yeah, on the course. Now this is a good example of someone. And don't who, do it, Dooley. He got lost at about every ride. That's a good example of someone who had a Garmin but didn't know how to operate it correctly. So uh, and, and it didn't help that the signs are in red. And if if, if you're a, he was colourblind, it didn't help. Yeah. That was the thing. The signs are red, and he's colourblind, which was a perfect storm. But that's the thing. Um, 
if, if you're a race director, and Murray the Holy Hammer Lapworth pointed this out to me, we were buying some new swim boys for the tri club, and I had more, our colours in, in Canterbury are red and black, and yep. so I was going to get red and black. And luckily, he pointed out to me, don't get red because I can't see them. Oh, is he colourblind uh, as well? He's colourblind. He? So I got them yellow, sweet, he can see them. But if you have red swim boys, wow, those, and there are a lot of people, that, that's two people on our camp that are colourblind. Uh, if you have red boys, they can't see them. So when you're colourblind, Oh, we need to get Blinder on to do a good explanation. Oh, exactly. Colorblind. Okay, that's your homework. I want to find out what colorblind experience is like. Because obviously, they see some colors. Mm. Obviously, well, there must be levels. Anyway, uh, so tell me about it, John. So, this is for if you are going somewhere, whether it be part of a camp or you want to go and do some course reconnaissance, or even if you want to try some new rides locally and they're over roads that you've never been on before, highly recommend. Um, getting a Garmin Edge. So I had the Garmin Edge 800, and and that lasted me bloody ages. I think I got that in... 2007 I think when so we were 10 doing, years basically yeah and and just before um, wrote I was getting a little worried that it was starting to crap out um, so I ended up upgrading to the 820 which is um, the same model but the Edge 820 so uh, there may be, there's, there's definitely other brands you can use but I'm only familiar with the, the Garmin one I will say if you upgrade to the 820 one of the snags that I experienced was you need to download new maps so when you buy these units you only have maps for your region so I only have New Zealand maps and maybe it's got Australian maps on there if you're traveling elsewhere in the world you'll need to buy and purchase the maps and what kind of price are you paying um, it's it's not insignificant but it's like 50 to 100 bucks so okay. that, you know I, I've I purchased Europe maps okay but I, Europe for 100 yeah okay and then I purchased American maps as well and again now what you used to do is you used to be able to get it on an SD card but now with the new 820 Just it doesn't have any slot there so okay. I had the maps and then I had to buy them again which kind of was was a bit frustrating uh, so buy an, buy some sort of edge get um, the maps, download them if you're going to a different part of the world. I also investigated getting the Garmin 1000, which is uh, it also looks like a fantastic unit, but it's more the size of a mobile phone. And for TT bikes, it's probably just too big in okay. terms of having it up there if, if you've got a, a drink system up front. Uh, so that was my first point, get the unit. Second point, you need to buy the maps. And if, you've got, if you're getting the 820, then you'll just need to do the direct download. Next step is you need to plot your route, and I use a website called ridewithgps.com. So you can actually do it through a Garmin website? I uh, don't know. Okay, if anyone that. does know, let us know, because it seems surprising that with that ability, their website wouldn't have the tools to do it. Mm, I don't think it does. Okay. Um, now, a couple of warnings. When you're plotting on either ridewithgps.com or using an, another um, platform, is well, I upgraded, paid $10 a month, to get the um, sort of advanced version, and with that, it gives you advanced turn warnings. So that means when you're approaching a um, a turn, then it's going to have more points that get uploaded into your Garmin, and it will give you a warning saying, you know, turning in 100 meters. So or whatever, like, like, like you would in a car. Exactly. Okay. So I, I and there's a couple of other perks as well by having the paid version. The cool thing with Ride with GPS is 10 bucks a month. But it's just a month-by-month month thing. You can cancel or join at any time. So I pay for a few months at a time when I'm planning camps and then just turn it off afterwards. And when you're plotting the course, is it very much like a map my run? It is. So you can, you, can, you can just go boom, boom, boom and plot them and then you can move your lines quite a bit. The key thing is you need to be really, really careful that right, you go through and ch- check it very, very closely. Because okay. some of these websites, they have a tendency sometimes to just like 
take you around the roundabout the wrong way or do little U-turns or just take you on these little side streets. And if you don't go through really, really closely, then you can often have little turns included in there um, mistakenly. Uh, and and that's definitely happened a couple of times and and when I was plotting the rote ones, then you save your save your course on um, whatever platform you're using, like Ride with the GPS, export it as a TCX file, and you save that onto your computer, and then you on the Ride with GPS, if you can put this link up on our website, Bevan as well, yep, they've got. Um, instructions on how you then transfer it all across to your your Garmin device it's pretty straightforward it is like just plug in your Garmin into your computer get the file and you copy it across um, into into the filing system and and it explains all that on ride with GPS and then the file is on there a couple of things when you're actually going out there to do your bike ride obviously you turn on your Garmin um, which is which is really important. That is step number one. <laughs> and if you have got one of the uh, older devices, make sure you remember to change your SD card over because if you, I get to Europe and I haven't put on my Europe one, it's clearly not going to work. And then you go into your courses and you should be able to find that particular um, course that you've done. Save it using an appropriate file name so it's easy to find. But really, really important if you're on a Garmin Edge 800 is you need to go into your settings and change your routing so it recal- the recalculation is turned off because if it's not turned off, if you're riding along and you make a wrong turn somewhere, then it will recalculate the, the route um, and you want to make sure that that is turned off because if you go off course, you need to know and you need to get back on course, but you don't want it recalculating because they'll recalculate the whole rest of the right oh, ride. Okay. And then you're going to go, com- you'll still get there, but, but you, the route you, you won't to. go the correct so way. So if like, you're practicing route course, that would ruin it for you. And that, that actually happened to me in route as well okay, well, because I didn't, I changed modes and I didn't do that and then it started recalculating and I was getting pretty frustrated. Um, And then the other thing which is really important if you've got a Garmin Edge 800 which is the older one, you need to make sure you click on the little spanner when you've got the course uh, just about to start the course and put make sure turn guidance is turned on. By default it seems like it's turned off and so you need to make sure that's turned on. So it's a little bit of a run through of how to do it. Main thing you've got to do is practice it before you go so go and plot a local course even the one that you know and upload it and go out there and ride the course and it'll give you turn by turn instructions you'll come up to a roundabout and it'll be telling you take the third exit or it gives you all the, it's just like having a Garmin a, a, a device in the car yeah. works the same way and it is just gold when you're out there and you don't have to worry about getting lost well I think one other thing as well is um, long ride with GPS they often have courses already loaded so like in road uh, with the driving I actually just held somebody's Garmin I'm not sure what type of Garmin it was uh, and I just went on a ride GPS and I looked at road challenge challenge mm-hmm. road course and it's already uploaded there so you may be going to a place where you want to do a ride and it, someone may mm. have already done that work for you so within their app you can just search and look for the course and like let's say you're going to do I don't know Kona 7.3 mm-hmm. course or something you can load that and I'm guaranteed someone's probably loaded it maybe even John yeah, and uh, and so you don't, you know, and, and also maybe just on another side of things, if you are going to an area and you're not looking just to do a race, you're just looking for some local rides. It's probably a cool way to find some cool rides. Absolutely. I imagine some people have uploaded rides. Like in Christchurch, there may be some rides loaded, and so it's a good way for you not to have to think about where to ride and locations you don't know. So check it out. I'll put links to all of that on www.imtalk.me. John, let's talk about a sponsor. Athlinks.com. Here we go. Love the new. Um, st- website and they've got it's really easy to go and find people's 
statistics and summary of what they're like. So if you know, if, if someone's out there that you think will be on Athlinks, even if they're not, it's probably going to have some of their results on here. Um, you can quickly go in there. So I'm looking at uh, Dan Cole. Pa- he's a patron of the show. You just plug in Dan oh, Cole. Oh, wow, this is really cool, isn't Whatever it? the name is up the top. Uh, and it would then you click on statistics, and then it's going to tell me all his personal records. So I know that he's done Challenge Weymouth, and he finished in 10.01. That's his fastest uh, iron distance race. Uh, Bridge... Brighton Marathon, he did a 310 back in 2014, and it'll basically give me a summary of all the different distances that that person's done, oh, 10 and, uh, and uh, what their personal best is. Dan, I know you want to go into that nine hours. Yeah. You're close. And good old uh, Thor, Peter Peter Thaus from Australia, uh, you know, I can plug his name in there, and... We had to pause there for a second, but we're back. And you got to make one thing. You got to do is make sure you look under profiles, not under events. I was looking for Peter Thaus under under pro, under events, and he's not an event. He's a he's a profile, and he's looking he good. is an event, John. <laughs> he is an he event. Is Maybe an he event. should be. <laughs> and yeah, he's got oh, he's got twenty thirteen for a five k. Hasn't cracked cracked that twenty minute barrier. Forty one fifty two for a ten k back in twenty thirteen. Uh, and is it, even for him, you know, he's done a fifty k trail race, so he's got a personal best over that distance. One of the cool things they've got, how do you rank overall in athletes? So Dan Cole, he's in the top 11% of athletes. athletes. Mm. That's pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah. And it'll give you a little percentage for each race you do as well. So when he did the uh, did 9 hours 30 at Ironman Western Australia last year, that had him in the top 8%. And then one other person that I was going to do is... Because she provided us with a my Lucy Francis attempted rant of the week, Lucy Francis. Uh, in terms of her statistics, two forty three for an Olympic try, twelve thirty six for an Ironman, four eleven for a marathon, and one forty six for a half. But again, so if you have got somebody that you train with, you don't know what their best times are, especially for coaches, if you don't know what some of your athletes' um, best times are for some different distances, you know, you can quickly plug them in here and uh, and you can quickly have it as a good reference point. You, you need, okay, so I've gone to John Newsom here. You need to work on a half marathon time. You need to put, you need to do a new one. Funny you should say that. Because you, you let's look at, you, now you're only in the top 9%, so it's a big, obviously those last few percents are quite hard. Yeah. But um, 8.51 to PB and IMM. Mm-hmm. Half Ironman's at 411 mm-hmm. in Auckland, uh, which is a pretty slow course too. So you obviously no, uh, that was a that oh, was they blind today, didn't you? Yeah, no, I blew up on the run. That's right. Cleveland 1996 is your fastest ITU. Yeah, I might be betting that anytime soon. 155 marathon 238, bloody good marathon time. Half marathon. So if I were to say to most people who knew much about running, does a 138 marathon? What do you reckon you do for a half? They're not going to say 116, John. What are they going to say? They're probably going to say about a 109. 109? Lou, hold on. Hold your horses there. I reckon, wouldn't you? No way I'd go 109. You wouldn't Let's be far see off what it. Jack Daniels said I should be able to do for my distances. Okay, here we go. Go to VDOT. Here we go. So if I go marathon, 238. Well, I was going to say 111, but I, I was being... There's no way. Yeah, I, reckon. I reckon... Let's let's speculate here. Okay. I reckon this is going to... I reckon it'll give me about a 116. Oh, okay. But I'm, I'm, it's just a guess. But didn't, I mean, I've known people who are, you're faster than, they've done like 113, 112. Actually, I, so I put in 238 flat, not 238.30, so let me just add in that 30. Oh, because <laughs> I, I think it's going to be quick. I don't know if that'll change it much. Change it a little bit. 
So for two thirty-eight marathon, I should be doing a one fifteen forty-three. Okay. In my time, I, I agree. I should be able to go quicker than one sixteen, but I don't think I'll be quicker than about one thirteen. Uh, for ten k, thirty-four sixteen. I've got thirty-four forty-two. And that was on a hilly-ish sort of course. Five so k's, fourteen twenty-five. That's tw- is, was that accurate? No, because that's pretty good. No, that must have been. That's Hagley realise it shouldn't be. In your peak, there. what do you reckon you could have done in half in? In your like, uh, could you have got a one ten? Let's see. So I reckon when I was at my peak, I was probably a little bit under thirty-three for ten k. So let's go thirty-two forty-five. Say, I think that would have been about probably. Probably about as quick as I could have gone for a 10k. Yeah. What should I have gone? Calculate. Ooh. Um, hold on. Here we go. Hold on. Okay. This is great podcast. Well, while we're here, uh, well, we've got something else I want to talk about. But we'll, he's also done. So your your 15k is a 51.51. That was a pretty good run. Yeah, that was a pretty good run. New Balance 15k. Mm. Uh, you you've done 2,000 miles, 52 races. The, the problem with that is it's... Uh, no, it's not every race you've done. It's not every race that I've done. But you've pretty much beaten everyone. You're, 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 oh, no, BJ Christensen beat you. Big BJ? It's yeah. he's about three times my size. Yeah, yeah, he beat the crap out of you. Luke McKenzie... Uh, That's interesting. So 32.45 uh, would be, you know, pretty much as quick as I think I could have for got. A ten, for, for a 10K. A, yep. That would only give you a half marathon of 112.12 and a marathon of 231.07. So okay, yeah. so yeah, so you, somewhere around about one eleven to one thirteen. Hmm. Yep. Okay. Good times. John, Check on, it this, out. on their site, they have a, an ad to some medical insurance company that gives you better premiums if you're a good runner. <laughs> 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 and so I clicked on it, and it says why runners should get a lower rate of insurance. So basically, non-runners, basically runners, thirty percent reduction in mortality, according, according to a, um, American College of Cardiology. So if you run, you're going to live, you know, 30% reduction in mortality. Uh, cardiovascular disease decreases by 49%. Mm-hmm. Diabetes by 87%. Yeah. Um, it is if you do two marathons a year. Mm-hmm. If you do one marathon a year, it's, it's uh, 59%. Um, yeah, just, so it's pretty interesting stats. So basically, if you're in America, because your insurance system apparently is pretty poor, <laughs> not that I know, but there seems to be a big debate about it right now. And uh, so health IQ that's what you want to look for. Anyway, John, um, what are we doing here? We uh, talk oh, athletics.com. Winner of the week. week. We missed out last week, but this week we're back in the, the game. We are back in the game. What do you want to do? I'm going to put a number. You I'm put out number. Five. Five. Pass the chamois cream. Oh, on the bike, eh? So on the who bike. done the most on the chamois creams? Just to remind you guys about this, you can check it out at traintrends.com slash Strava slash IMTalk. If you want to be part of the fun, you need to go on to Strava and join our IMTalk team and make sure your profile is public and then your data will get sort of incorporated into this and you can attempt to be the winger of the week. And this week's winger of the week is Alex Harris from the United Kingdom. He's done 25 hours and 15. Now is that just on the bike? 20. 20, 25 hours, 15 minutes. 16 minutes. 16 minutes, oh, yeah. On, the, on four activities. Cool. <laughs> Whereas Ben Boyd from Australia, he got 11 activities from just under 20 hours in 19.22. And then Jonathan Blake from, he hasn't got his destination there, but he did 15.12. On the girl side of things, Mal 
How's her last name? Saltiel taking it out again. She took took it out just before we finished in terms of uh, getting the wanger of the week. Well done. Yep. And then Rachel Cunningham uh, did three activities for 10 hours, tw- uh, 17. And Joe Combe from Australia as well. She did 9.21 in four activities. So these people... I'm picking Ben Boyd must have uh, must have been a, must be a commuter to do 11 rides in one week. I'm picking. Yeah. Which is fine. If you're riding commuting, that counts. Hey, it's time on the bike. That's it. Shammy Cream, you know. But our winger of the week goes to Alex Harris. What well a winger. Nice work. <laughs> what a winger. Do you want to do questions and answer? Or do you want to... Um, Any you want to do Okay questions and answers Okay Ben Ben Moore sent this through last week Because I did a bit of a commentary comparing When I saying how I just got obliterated on the bike Because everyone was so big Everyone was so big and so fast He did a quick calculation of the fastest 200 bike splits All were under 5 hours So but 55 of those 200 then ran one hour faster or you know, ran one hour faster than that time or less for their marathon. So for example, um, give or take a few minutes, e.g. a five-hour bike ride equals a four-hour run or a four-hour 45 bike ride equals a three-hour 45 marathon, which comparatively speaking, if you're riding four, 445 and you're running 345, that's a pretty damn poor marathon mm, performance. Mm. Um there is also a very generous cutoff time for the bike slash run split. For example, if you ran one hour fifty faster than you biked, a far better use of your energy. Obviously, th- things can go wrong out there on the day, causing a bad run. But my interpretation of those numbers is they are just more European cyclists who cannot control their egos and slam it down on the bike. Well, and it's one of those courses that encourages you to do that too, doesn't yeah. it? Because of the crowds and all the rest of it, it's kind of easy to you. You know not to do it. But at the same time, you can also explain. Or be really understand. interesting. To actually, I mean, that's great stuff. So my bike split was four fifty four, and my run was what three oh four. So I was an an hour fifty quicker on the run than I was elsewhere. And what what Ben's really saying here is. Uh, 55 of those people were significantly slower on their run, relatively speaking, to their bikes. So Europeans, take a chill pill and learn how to control yourself on the bike and run a little bit better. Okay, John, you've got well, you've got a link here to... Ref- do you go and read our Facebook mails? I did, but I'm going to encourage people, to, if you want to reply from us... Don't, 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 don't Facebook send, mail us. But I did check on a couple of them, and so there were a few few on there, and one of them was around that Norseman series, the okay. X series, and also How Dolph- Dolphin, How Now Brown Cow Dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> so he sent through an article, so we're talking about um, Brian Clough, who we've been talking about lots, and he said... And he's actually passed away, and someone else sent me an email about this. However, you will struggle to interview him as he died a few years ago from a long struggle with the drink. Oh, that's interesting. But as I know that you wrote films, the Damn United. Now I've seen Damn United. It's got uh, Michael Sheen in it, and it's a brilliant film, which takes was made about eight years ago, starring Michael Sheen. There you go. Uh, about Clough's short turbulent spell at Leeds in the seventies. Sounds. Um, dull but it's actually brilliant so basically that movie there so Brian Clough now I, I, I'm a big fan <laughs> big fan so he was a bit of a genius he, he basically took a team now this is me talking from the movie he took a team from like the third division mm-hmm. right up to the top league and may have even won the top league now that's unheard of isn't it to go from like divisions back and mm-hmm. bring them way up and then his ego got a bit of ahead of him and, and they got offered a United job and they were kind of the big team at the time yeah. and he went in thinking to be able to show them how it's done and they really resisted him and it might have been because he was from a region where they didn't like his mm. region you know it's like over there with football mm. but it's a pretty good film I would recommend people checking it out and it's it's interesting because 
Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. But he also, or I Believe in Miracles, a documentary film about Harry took Forrest to win two European Cups with a bunch of rejects and misfits. Yeah, and so mm. uh, it's one of the best sports documentaries and I know you love cinema, so I will check that out. And it's great clips of him on YouTube. There is a thought for your discussion. Uh, what can triathletes learn or take from other athletes or coaches in other sports? Hmm, we should maybe do a discussion a little bit around okay. that one. But um, yeah, I will check out that other documentary. Um, what was I going to say? I can't remember. But yeah, so there you go. If you guys want to check out, you can either check out The Damn United, which I have seen and I really enjoyed. And the other documentary is called I Believe in Miracles. Mm. There is something about a coach. Oh, no, that's the thing. Is in the film, now, films may not always be true, but apparently he actually had another guy he worked alongside. And Clough, the, the other guy was kind of the, the more the brains of the operation. He was mm. a bit more of the kind of the stats geek guy. Mm. And he actually dropped him when he went to Leeds. And mm. actually they needed each other. It was kind of, mm. it was, the, the movie's a lot about the relationship of two people as well. So it's pretty cool. Uh, sad news, John. Um, yes. Very sad news, actually. So what, what Garth, Garth Proud uh, unfortunately passed away recently. He was the person, basically in a cycling accident while in Barcelona with his family. Mm. So now that a lot of you guys, I, I don't, had never heard of Garth Proud before, but I bloody well should have because he was basically the man behind the Noosa Triathlon and mm. that morphed into being USM sports um, or USM events. Now, if you're outside of Australia, you probably don't realise how big an event Noosa and Malula, the Malula Bar Triathlons are. They are ginormous well, and I've been to, um, Joe and I, our first holiday overseas was to Noosa. And you go into Noosa and, you know, you know how every kind of t- little town, and Noosa's not that small, but well, I suppose it is, but every little town has welcome to Noosa or welcome to mm. Ashburton. Well, <laughs> there's one place in New Zealand. <laughs> is it Ashburton? The only way is up. <laughs> That's the name of it. But in Noosa, the sign is the Noosa Triathlon. Mm. Like, that's how big this event is. Oh, it's huge. And so he founded that event and then moved on to US, uh, have USM events. They're the two, Aussies, you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but they're the, by far, I think, the two biggest Olympic distance races in the country. Well, and, the only ones we hear and, of, aren't they? And two of the, probably the biggest races in the world in terms of uh, participation rates. I remember, I think it was Malula Bar I was at. You did it, didn't you? I've done Malula Bar, but I, was, I think I was over there watching... Watching, I was I was doing something over there, and I was just trying to cross the road when the age group race was on. And you just couldn't get across. There's really? so many bloody people running wow. along. So really sad news that he's passed away because he grew those events into being ginormous. He then had USM Sports, which eventually um, sold to the Ironman Corporation, which now run those events. Um, so don't really know too much about the guy other than what I've just sort of read about this. So just a real shame. And there's lots of people really passing on their condolences, saying that he made a uh, a massive difference to the sport in Australia so condolences to his family and um, yeah sad loss yeah and these people have a big impact on their sport like how important is that those all those mm. races but that race to triathlon in Australia and how many people have participated all because of this man's body of work so just feeling for his family it's obviously pretty sad times and uh, just all those in his community just our thoughts are with you John patrons yep Marcus Thunderbolt Aronson, George Mr. Madman nice. Gray, and Alistair Speed Fleet Fleet. Speed Feet Fleet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so if you guys want to support the show, go to imtalk.me. Click on, uh, what do I click on, Bevan? Community, isn't it? 
Let's have a look. Put up on Click on that, and you basically support us doing the show. You also go in the draw to go to Kona for next year. So uh, in 2018, we'll be going back to Kona and hopefully taking one of you guys over there to experience the the Ironman World Champs. And yeah, you click on the support button, become a patron. Come in at five bucks a month, and that uh, gets you a nickname, the odd mention on the show from time to time, and you know it's like getting a coffee a week, and you get four shows every every month. And then if you come up for ten bucks a month, then you get one of our awesome I Am Talk swim caps. Come in at twenty bucks a month, so like a, a coffee a week, then you get the swim cap plus a beanie, and uh, all of you guys are going the draw to join us over in Kona next year. Good times, rock and roll, and just support John and I. What we're doing, you know. You can yell no, at I am me. trying really hard to get uh, somebody for Legends. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm failing at the moment, um, so I'm going to keep putting my pingers out there. And your you pingers. Have, you don't want to have too many things going once, because then you all of a sudden you get like three or four replies. You go, ah. So I'm, I am determined to get uh, something up in the next few weeks. Okay, John, what you got? Always oh, second sponsors. Athlinks.com. Social Network of Endurance Athletes. Extreme Endurance. Lactic Buffer. And our patrons. Absolute rock stars. Jumbo, what's your goss? What's my goss? Did my last week... Yeah, JD Triathlon. Oh, JD Triathlon at the weekend. And... Did you have a good day for Holy it? smokes, was it cold. What day was that? <laughs> it was on Sunday. We had this ginormous frost, so I was out oh, there. Oh, yeah, it was We did cold. most of the setup on Saturday night, and then Sunday is a Sunday morning event. And we don't start till 10 o'clock, so by 10 o'clock it was, uh, wasn't was so cold, but I was out there before 7, and it was, a, it was about a negative 5 degree frost, and everything was just white and my. God, was it cold. Really? Uh, but beautiful day and uh, good times. Had you know, about 100 people racing at these little events. And uh, yeah, good times. That was my, my Sunday. Went out Friday and Saturday night. Crazy. What were you, what were you doing? What were you doing? Oh, I sort of had family-related stuff on Friday and then a 40th. We didn't start late on either night, but had those uh, Friday, Saturday, and then had the kids racing on Sunday, and just popped the kids off to school this morning wearing their Harry Potter robes. It's uh, oh, Harry Potter day. No, it's just uh, Mufti day, and he goes your favourite theme. Belinda dyed Thomas's hair orange. My God, he looks like an idiot. Oh, really? Um, he's dyed it. Is it just like a colour through? A colour through sort of oh, thing. So he's he's what's his name? He's I don't um, watch Harry Potter. Um, Worsley. Uh, one of the worst Ron, 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 Ron Weasley. Yeah, this one. Ron Weasley. Yep. And that Ben went out for the run last night. Legs are so still what were you doing Saturday night? Oh, there was a 40th, but we didn't stay very late. Mm-hmm. And then uh, back into Monday night running with the Philinator and Tyron last night. And legs are a little sore again today. So looking forward just to ramping things up a bit and just getting back into a groove with some training this week. Nice. Bevan, what's happening in your world? Do you want to watch the rugby? Mm-hmm. Go to the Crusaders? Did you watch rugby? I did not because I was out. Oh, it was a good game. Because mm-hmm. it was a funny game because we just didn't get the ball. Mm-hmm. Like in the first half, we only had like 23% position. This is our competition that goes so between New Zealand, South Africa, Australia, and we have a Japanese team and, a, and an Argentinian team. And there's 15 teams. There's more than that now. It's like Six, 16, I think. Yeah, 16, I think. And then this yeah. weekend's the final and our team made I think the it's final. 18 because they're trying to drop three back to 15, aren't they? Don't know. It's crazy. It's a stupid. It's, it's the most convoluted system it's absolutely stupid but <laughs> we're in the final and and so go the crusaders and wellington and swanee no you're a wellingtonian and mount snail and t-rex your team let us down because because we have to now go to south africa for the final wellington should have won it's at altitude as well yeah at quite high altitude so it's gonna yeah. be a toughie so did that watch the rugby um john other than that not a lot really 
this week? What's happening this week? Not much. Not much. Do you know what I think I do love about having a cat? Nothing to love about having a cat. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Joe loves the cat. But it, Joe's like a schizophrenic. Because basically we're nice of you to say. Well, it is. Because <laughs> we're sitting around and Tabster loves scratching these chairs. Now, Joe's had to replace these chair covers. He did them all by herself because Tabster mm. always uses the claws on the chairs and it's a little bit frustrating. And Tabster will just be scratching it and Joe just goes absolutely berserk for like one second mm. and then back to normal. You know, we saw, oh, hey, yeah, how's your day? Oh, we got <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so I was pretty busy at this time. <laughs> it cracks me up every time. I think most animal lovers or animal owners have a moment of madness quite a few times in their days where they just, mm-hmm. it's your one chance you can just yell at the top of your lungs. And it seems to be that Tabs has been frustrating Joe a little bit lately. So, so it's been very entertaining for me. But other than that, John, uh, going about, I'm going to get more piano lessons again. Pretty right. about that. Yep. That's about it, John. That's about right. it. Yeah. I'm Russ. I'm a dope. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.